welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest Game Rivals podcast. I am one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and as always, together with me is the lovely, the unstoppable, the insatiable PlayStation aficionado, Sean Templar. How's it going, Sean? I'm good. I'm uh, happy that uh, every episode you find new ways to add some things to introduce me. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> Unstoppable yeah, is, uh, is a new one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't be beat, man. You can't be beat. Um, how have you been? Everything okay? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm good. Um, you know, just trying to keep busy. From a gaming point of view, I have like a maybe like a gaming dip so that I don't feel like there's so much to play but I just don't have the motivation to play it because I'm like you know what I might as well play something else or I just fire it up and then within two minutes I'm like man I'm not feeling this and I just go watch some YouTube or Netflix or something but you know just trying to trying to get through it um how are you um I'm okay I'm good um it's been I took some time off from work, so, you know, kind of catch my breath, stuff like that, um, recenter myself. So, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. Um, I have to go back to work soon. Happy days. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's been okay. I, I've got some time to actually play some games, um, some things that I'm going to be talking about in what we've been playing. So I don't want to spoil that. Um, but, Outside of that, I'm very excited. Oh, I'm super excited. Because we have another special guest with us. The first one of 2021, which is really cool because, you know, as the podcast has been growing, uh, more people have been enjoying the podcast, been giving us feedback. And again, we totally appreciate it. Uh, Love you guys. Um, You know, just keep, you know, keep spreading the word and uh, uh, giving us feedback. so without further ado, um, I'll have I'll have to introduce our new uh, special guest, friend of the show, uh, Super Nintendo. Say hi, hey, everybody. How are you going? It's good to be here. It's so exciting like, to actually be able to hear your introduction live because that's like the one thing I look forward to every week. It's like just to hear you introduce the show and what, what you're going to say about Sean. So, yeah, it's a real <laughs> pleasure to be here. <laughs> We're excited to have you on. So thank you for joining us. No yeah, worries. It's great us. to be here and get to chat with you guys about my favorite thing, uh, Nintendo and gaming. So, yeah, it's Thank you for having me yeah, on. Yeah, for once I have someone in my corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now they're going to gang up on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two to one, finally. <laughs> so, um, would you like to introduce yourself a bit to the listeners? Um, where you're from and uh, what it is you uh, love in gaming? Sure. Um, well, my name's Dan. I'm from Australia. Um, and I've been a gamer for quite a long time. I started my gaming back in the Nintendo NES days. So uh, right back in those retro times, I, I remember um, carrying my Game Boy around in the back of the car when we were going traveling uh, to different places um, when I was growing up. So um, I'm a huge Nintendo fan, basically. Fanboy, um, just Anything I see, I, I just love about Nintendo. I, I don't know. It just grabs my heart, I suppose. Like everything that I um, play or the, the products that they bring out, it's just, just been amazing. So that kind of led me to starting an Instagram page um, about everything that I love. It's all a few years ago, 
um, just started posting what I was playing, what I was doing. And then it's just, I just started make, meeting this brilliant community and um, everybody who I've um, been in touch with and contacts is just, you know, fabulous and really supportive. So just seeing my community grow um, has been um, fantastic as well. Um, almost, almost hit 10K. I'm, fingers crossed that'll be soon. So, and through that, I was able to meet, meet you guys as well. So it's just been a, a great journey of gaming and, and obviously right now I'm I'm big into the Nintendo Switch so if you jump on to my Instagram like that's pretty much what you'll see me talking about all the time I love keeping up with the latest news and yeah pretty pretty uh big Nintendo guy <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice awesome introduction yeah yeah you, uh, <laughs> do you have like a favorite uh Nintendo product or object or console or anything Ooh, i know it's a difficult question it's a but... tough question i tell you um look i think i think the switch has officially become my favorite nintendo console and and i know i know that's a bit of a cop out but but i think everything that it does like right now is is everything that i've always wanted in a console um in terms of favorite thing like i i'm just a big like collector of all things Nintendo. So, but my biggest collection and my probably my my dirty little secret is is Amiibo. Um, I have way too many Amiibos. So, <laughs> but, I, but I love every single one of them. So, <laughs> you have do you have all the Smash Amiibos up up until this point that have been released? Yeah, I do. I, Ooh, every nice. every Smash Amiibo, all the current ones pre-ordered. So. Yeah, pretty much every every amiibo that's come out. There, there's a few elusive ones like the Gold Mega Man and a few Monster Hunter ones that were released only in Japan that I haven't got my hands on yet. But other than that, yeah, got a pretty decent amiibo collection. Nice. Yeah, I have a few amiibo, but it, like it's just way too much. <laughs> it was way too yep. much for me to keep up. It's I a dark, dark hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he just begins sliding. <laughs> That's the funny thing about collecting. I was never the the, the collector type, but I recently started collecting uh, Funko Pops, and I, and I've oh, only yeah. got like uh, I got the V one from uh, the V male one from Cyberpunk and the Ellie from uh, The Last of Us Two, and the, it's like a rabbit hole. The more you look mm-hmm. at them, it's like oh, but I want that one. Oh, and I would love to have that one and that one. I'm like. I don't have the space for it and I don't know what to do with them all. And then, like, then mm-hmm. I see some people that have hundreds of Funkos. I'm like, what do you do with them? Like, <laughs> when do you store them? And like, how? And like, what? And I mean, like, I, I think you know him as well. There's Enrique from Instagram. He has like a huge collection. Wow. And he just like piled them all up against the wall. It's basically, I think he has like a, a gaming room. And at this rate, that gaming room will just like explode with Funkos. Like when you open the door, you'll just be have Funkos drop on you. It's so wow. cool to see, but it's just like, yeah, you go in. I just go crazy when I see them. I'm like, oh, they have that one, and they do like games and movies and TV shows and pop mm-hmm. culture. I'm like, holy crap, that is so much. Yeah, it's very dangerous. I I, I wasn't into uh, the Funko Pops until they brought out the Pokemon ones. And now every oh, yeah. every Pokemon one is like, oh, just stop. That. <laughs> <laughs> Those are so cute. They yeah. are. I, I, I'm not a. I'm not really big into the Funko Pops, but the those Pokemon ones almost almost got me over the over the edge. Especially the Bulbasaur one, just so adorable. He's so adorable. I have one that's like soft. I forget what they. I forget what they're called, but they're like like felt. They feel like felt, and it's oh, you know, nice. it's just gorgeous. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's the thing, yeah. 
they got like oh, special nice. edition ones that are like felt they feel like felt yeah nice wow uh, we, should, we have to talk stop talking because i'm just yes. gonna go on the internet and buy them all I'm like oh no man, my wallet my wallet's already crying so like oh man i love it nice all right so uh with 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 that uh done um let's just jump straight into the news because despite the fact that it's the beginning of the year um it's been there's a lot of news that just came out this week and it's crazy and it's ridiculous um let's just start with the big one long live lucasfilm games apparently because it's back yeah yeah after being gone from i think since the merger with disney yeah i think uh they had like uh, a couple of games and then they were doing star wars 1313 which looked like this amazing uncharted smuggler kind of game um and then they just fired everybody or made everybody redundant and then just said okay we're just going to license it out and then the license went to ea and they had like a a 10-year agreement and then um out of the blue they said like yeah but now we're going to have this overarching brand and we're going to have multiple games and then out of the blue yesterday they said we are doing an open world star wars game with ubisoft and massive i'm like wow the whole community just went crazy I can imagine. Uh, yeah, I'm. I I don't know how you guys feel about that particular announcement. Lucas Lucasfilm Games coming back again is a really big deal, of course, because now that means that it's free. It's 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 open season for any developer worth their salt to pitch an idea to uh, Lucasfilm Games and see if it sticks. And they get the license to do a um, Star Wars game, which is really cool. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily also have to be Star Wars now that I think about it, because they didn't just do Star Wars games. No, another mm-hmm. interesting one is uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yes. By Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah. yeah. Which brings up way more questions now than it would have like a year ago. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, my true. first reaction was like. Oh crap! Is this going to be an Xbox exclusive game now? I Good mean, point. yeah. I'm like, I didn't even oh. think that way, but yeah, of course. I was like, oh crap! It was like the, the my first go instinct was like, oh, that's so cool. I'm like, oh crap, this might be an Xbox exclusive. Like, oh crap, you know. And that's just that's the, the day after everybody started talking about that. Yeah, yeah. We don't even know what kind of game it's going to be um, no. unless they said it. Uh, and I missed it, but yeah, it, it's crazy that it's crazy that that's a thing, right? Because now you have because for ten years we had to rely on EA to bring out games, and it's been hit and miss. And I think the the thing that broke the camel's back, the straw that broke the camel's back, is uh, Battlefield uh, Battlefront mm. Two, right? Of the whole thing with the, yeah. the, the microtransaction stuff. Because Fallen Order, people love Fallen Order. It's a great game. I haven't, I, I've heard very, very little when it comes to negativity to that game. And so it's kind of a bit bittersweet that this had to happen. But at the same time, I think it was expected that they would not rely on one developer because mm. that's a lot of pressure to put on one developer. Now you can have this overarching quality control kind of thing where 
um, you're just overseeing the quality of the games and they're being developed by other uh, studios. So that means you could probably have way more games out in one year, which is what I'm assuming that they're aiming for, um, than having maybe one or two games every two to three or four years. Yeah. No, it's totally great. It'll be in a, it will be interesting Bethesda's take on on that as well on an Indiana Jones game, like just yeah. knowing what Bethesda does. Um, it's kind of a bit more wider these days with you know Doom and all that kind of stuff. But when you look think back to like what they were really like known for, Fallout and all those kind of games, it'll be interesting to see where they take the franchise. And I, I think it's kind of exciting because, like as you said, leaving it in one developers' hands kind of gets a bit stale and EA kind of has this kind of stigma about them, you know, kind of being a greedy company. Shocking, I know. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, and, and they don't support the Switch, so pretty much yeah. <laughs> they're out. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, like, what other companies have ideas for and, and Ubisoft, like, doing Star Wars and Open World will be um, really interesting too because Ubisoft are kind of the kings of Open World games, so... Yeah, I think I think it'll be exciting to see hopefully some fresh takes on some, you know, very famous series. Yeah. Yeah. I just did think realize that and I, I mean like Disney is this company that at the end, yeah, they care about fans, but they care about money at the at mm-hmm. the very end at the bottom line. And I'm like I can't imagine them saying like, "Hey, you're free to use the the Indiana Jones license, but you're not allowed to do an exclusive game because your platform is simply not big enough." To more to kind of like validate for us that 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 license is being utilized to the fullest. So like you can do one, but you also have to bring it out on other platforms besides Xbox because your install base simply isn't big enough to to justify that exclusivity. Just something that popped into my mind. Like that's true. If if we're looking at the trend right now, is that I think and an, the numbers aren't out officially, but what is being predicted is that a PlayStation Five is selling two to one. So for every Xbox Series X, they sell two PS5s. So that means that that install base will exponentially grow, even though people uh, have the benefit of Game Pass and all those amazing value, um, Mm. is simply because there's a hundred and X something amount of PS4s out there. Everybody's going to the console that their friend has. If that is a PS4 or a PS, then they'll naturally go to a PS5. So, I mean, they have the numbers on their side. So I can't imagine a Disney saying like, hey, it's super cool that you, you want to do this and here's the license and, and take your, uh, take your shot at it. But we want to see it on more platforms because it, it needs to bring in an X amount of money for us to be able to justify giving you this license. And if you can't do it, yeah, then we don't want to. So, I mean, we don't know the specifics about the deal, but that's something that might you know, play in the background and they haven't announced any platforms yet. They've only said like machine games is doing it. Machine games have done the, the, the Wolfenstein games, which are really good games. I mean, I love mm-hmm. those games. Um, so it's, it's really curious to see, like maybe we'll hear more around E3 or if that's mm-hmm. ever going to happen, or if that's going to be a thing. <laughs> E3. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but like, I will, but, 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 as you were saying that there, there, there was a, th- that a thought that popped into my mind, right? So, if that's because you have to realize that the talks with Bethesda buying them, like with Zenimax buying them, that was probably something that's been in the works for probably a year or so, maybe more. 
Probably. Um, yeah. The talks to getting the license for Indiana Jones probably also took at least a couple of months, if not a year. So my question is, did they enter this agreement before they knew what was happening to Bethesda? Because if that's the case, then this is probably one of those... Um, remember when they bought... Um, what are the what are the guys again? Um, Obsidian. Yeah. So when they bought Obsidian, or at least when it was known that Obsidian was being bought by Microsoft, Obsidian had already announced that the uh, the Outer Worlds was coming to Switch, and it did eventually come out to Switch. Did it? But they did do that. And it, I, I've seen examples for this mm. in the past where, for example, um, Nintendo bought um, uh, Monolith Soft and they were, they were owned majority by um, Namco Bandai back in the day. So when they bought it over, all the games that they were working on, they finished and then they completely, you know, became a Nintendo only uh, developer. Hmm. So it's not out of the realm of possibility um, to see something like that happen. So I'm assuming that whatever it is that they're working on was originally intended to be multi-platform. So I don't think that would be a worry. Plus, to be fair, Microsoft owns Windows. Windows is a is, you know the PC platform. A lot of a lot of people play on PC. So if even if they say it's coming to PC and it's an Xbox timed exclusive i don't think that's too much that's not a big uh, that's not a big risk for um for for, for disney and for lucas uh film wow i really wish they just called it lucas arts again <laughs> um for the it's not a big risk for them to take at least then that's how i see it because if you're taking along like the millions of pc players and then the you know the small incentive of console players even if it is just a timed thing um, I don't think that's too much of an issue. Plus, they're also having the the Ubisoft game, which is obviously going to be multi-platform because mm -hmm. it's Ubisoft. It's Ubisoft. Um, <laughs> it'll run up, up if if they somehow find a way to run games on a potato. Ubisoft will put it on the potato. Oh, and they'll probably have the the Assassin's Creed towers in there as well that you have to climb a tower <laughs> to unlock the rest of the map. I mean, it's Ubisoft. You have to. Yeah, it's not a Ubisoft game without that. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm really curious to see where this will go. I mean, I, I can yeah. imagine Bethesda also leveraging the Microsoft buy by in those negotiations by saying like, "Hey, we're an independent company now, but we are in talks with Microsoft to." to be acquired so you know we have this big powerhouse behind us who has a, a huge bag of money that will go into this game so we can assure a certain amount of quality because we have ample resources to do it so um i'm, I'm really curious to see and i think disney isn't done yet announcing new games because ea is still going to do star wars games they're they're doing jedi fallen order too um it's just more that um Bethesda, um disney is just kind of like spreading out uh, their uh, IP instead of saying like we'll just give it to one company because if you're honest EA hasn't been able to, to do a lot with the Star Wars license besides uh, two Battlefront games a Fallen Order games a, a couple of mobile games and um, a lot of cancelled Star Wars games <laughs> and that's basically it yeah yeah 
And I think like with Disney closing down their own like gaming studio, they, they still got to be able to get out there. IP and game somehow, so I think this is a stepping stone for that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Disney is weird when it comes to games, man. So weird. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they, they started Junction like if you remember back in the Wii days, they started Junction Point so that they can make Epic Mickey. Yeah, and they used that to leverage to get Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back into their cast from Universal because Universal essentially stole. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit from Walt Disney back in the That's day. That's right. And they made two games. Well, actually, no. They made three games because they also had an uh, an Epic Mickey um, well, not Wait, by Junction was Point. It? I don't think it was by Dun- Junction Point. No, I don't think so. But it was related to Epic Mickey. And they brought that out and then it didn't do as well as they would hoped it would. Mm. And then they shuttered Junction Point, and then they shuttered Disney Interactive, and then it's weird. It's it's really weird. It um, is really also, weird. Epic Mickey is not the reason why Junction Point of uh, Junction Point is the reason why Epic uh, why it shuttered because of Epic Mickey, but Disney Interactive was shuttered because Disney Infinity um, was oversaturated <laughs> in wow. that landscape. Wow. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> Yeah, it kind of it's really disappointing because this Disney Infinity 2.0 was arguably better than the first version. Um people really loved it and then they just were like, "You know what? Yeah, the trend's over." Yeah. It was the same with Activision. Like they had those uh, uh Skylanders? Sky- yeah, Skylanders, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was it's around said that because I was yeah. thinking Skyrim in my head, and I was like, it's not Skyrim. <laughs> that would be really embarrassing. <laughs> they literally brought Skyrim to everything. Who <laughs> <laughs> the has brought Skyrim to everything? Exactly. <laughs> like a potato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's, it was that the trend at the time, like people playing with all sorts of peripherals, like uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band and, and Skylanders and, and Disney Infinite. And then eventually people were like, yeah, no, we just don't care. We just want either console, PC, or mobile gaming. And now mobile gaming has taken over a lot. So it's it's, it's a funny trend. Because, I mean, I never would have expected something to like like Rockstar or Rock Band to go away. Like Rockstar Guitar Hero. Because it was, they churned out game after game after game. And people kept on buying them. Like, well, there's no end to this at this rate. And all that plastic we collected, it was great. So many plastic <laughs> cars. <laughs> Never got into it, but I did buy DJ Hero when it went when that was going away because they packaged that one with the original DJ Hero and DJ Hero Two. Oh, nice! For for nice. Wii. So I have the Wii version of that. <laughs> just upstairs. I was like, oh, it's I I kind of miss playing DJ Hero, so I maybe I should hook up the Wii U and play it, and then I'm like, ah, now that means I have to get batteries for my for my Wii for my Wii remote, put them yep. in, and then set that up and. Yeah, I don't really feel like setting up the Wii U, even though it's already set up at my uh, workstation in my office. Oh wow! And it's, uh, the yeah. burden. Oh, I can see it weighing oh, you so down so badly. Oh man, <laughs> you might as well move ten rocks while you're at it because it's so hard to get batteries these days. I know, right? <laughs> let's be honest. You just don't want to be a DJ. That, let's get the truth out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that that life is not for me. <laughs> DJ Maxi Max here. 
re- dropping you some real dope tunes or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's right. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh oh wow, we got derailed from that. Um, for, uh, basically, yeah. Um, hopefully they don't shutter. My point is this: hopefully they don't shutter Lucasfilm Games again, and they are way better at managing like their IPs. And I hope that it's not just Star Wars stuff that they're gonna do. I mean, we're already seeing that it's not just Star Wars stuff that they're gonna do. They're gonna do Indiana Jones stuff. But I'm hoping that they'll also do, you know, like classic Disney stuff as well. Mm, that'd be great. Because I would, it would honestly, I would love to see a new Epic Mickey or at least them issuing out a, like some company doing a remake of either a game or both games and bring it out as a collection or something. Because they were fun games. It's just a shame that not a lot of people got the chance to play them. Especially the second one. I think that kind of just fell into the wayside. I know I played the first one, but... I still haven't played the second one. Neither have I. I have the first one. I never finished it. So I yeah. got to the back the backlog. Um, <laughs> and I never picked up the second one because I didn't finish the first one. Yeah, that's fair. So I, I hope of, they would yeah. do like a, a Pirates of the Caribbean game because I know that um, before they closed down their studios, they were working on a, I think it was an open world Pirates of the Caribbean game and you would be your own character, but you would uh, run into characters from the movies. And I, it just feels like they might as well have given the Pirates of the Caribbean license to Ubisoft when they were doing Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I mean, that would have been the perfect game. Or say like, hey, Ubisoft, you you you, you know how to do open world games. Here, make a Pirates of the Caribbean RPG, kind of like an Assassin's Creed in a way. Uh, I think that would be really, really cool because it's unique. It's not a, a, a game that we're seeing a lot right now. And... Assassin's Creed Black Flag was one of my favorite Assassin's Creed games. I just loved, you know, sailing on the oceans, having your crew sing, uh, raiding, plundering, you know, that that pirate life. It's just so nice. It's completely different than the Viking life. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the same thing. And then I remembered they're technically supposed to be working on Skull and Crossbones still. Yeah, Skull and Bones is in development, but they pushed it, like, I think three times. And now it's... Mm. um, we don't know what's happening, but I think the last time they pushed it was two years ago. Um, so yeah, that'll probably become a PS5 Xbox Series X game if it ever sees the light of day, but you never know. We've heard nothing since for two years. I'm really worried about that game. I, I, honestly, <laughs> it's the same with Beyond the Good and Evil, too. I mean, we haven't yeah, heard a lot true. about that game before as well. It's also no, been like but, three years. No, but that one, that one is... I don't know if that's ever going to come out. Uh, Michelle Ancel is gone at uh, UB, but I, I, yeah, I mean, true. I can't imagine that they still want to do that game because the fans want that game. The fans want the game, but I don't know if I think if they're going to do it, they're going to wait for a while. Because um, considering that Michelle Ancel's brand is a little bit toxic at the moment. I think they're going to let that pass before they move on in either greater ways or just drop it all together. Because I don't know if they, how far they got, because we've, have we even, they showed a gameplay simulated demo. gameplay, but not actual gameplay as far as I can tell. Well, they, they released a, they said it was a gameplay demo that they released, like the last thing they did, but based on how amazing that looked, that could never have run on a PS4 or an Xbox One. Um, if they said they did, it did and they brought it out, that would have been a Cyberpunk 2077 uh, mm-hmm. PS4 version. So 
data like yep. people know. Um, it, I think it is plausible to run on a PS5 and a Series X. It'll be, it'll be interesting because, again, like so much time goes past and you just wonder what's happening in the background. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, so, no, just like you just, even with like the whole cyberpunk thing, like obviously they keep saying, oh, we thought it was up to scratch. We thought it was up to scratch. But like what yeah. was actually going on in the background? Like that's, that's the thing <laughs> that always gets me. It's like yeah. how did anybody think that was up to scratch? Anyway, I'm diverging. Again. Yeah. Oh, no, that's good because we're going to talk about cyberpunk in a bit. So Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just stress for these games that keep getting delayed and delayed and change people. I don't know. It's just some, sometimes like me and Moto always says delays are good for games, but then um, we, we, we're starting to see a little bit as I think as the generations are going on, like we're starting to see it's not necessarily, I think there's a lot of crunch and a lot of effort that needs to be put into making games today. And, you yeah. know, we're, we're like, we haven't taken that into account. We still expect, you know, games to be coming out pretty quickly. I heard, it, yeah. It almost feels like that they're announcing a game too early and they know it's too early, but it's simply because they want to stay relevant uh, because yeah. the next thing we were going to touch upon is that, for example, Hogwarts Legacy yesterday got delayed to 2022. Yeah. And like we, we saw that game at the PS5 showcase. It looked amazing. Um, and then we we saw allegedly a gameplay trailer. But after that, we didn't hear or see anything about the game for months. And it's supposed to come out this year. And then yesterday, suddenly on Twitter, they said, yeah, like we're going to push it to 2022 because we want it to be the best possible game we can. And then mm-hmm. I almost feel like they announced it because, one, there were rumors for years that they were working on an open-world RPG. And secondly, they're like, yeah, but as a, as a Warner Brothers brand, we haven't announced a lot of games besides Suicide Squad and Gotham Knights. We need to stay relevant in this market. We need to, at the beginning of a new generation, we want people to kind of have their eyes on us. Mm-hmm. So let's just say that we're working on this game and then... They just push it. Same goes for uh, Pragmata, the game Capcom announced with the with the, right. yeah the, the strange uh, astronaut in New York. Spacey, the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that game is coming out in 2023. So, like, why did they announce the wow. game in 2021? Like, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's more like we need to stay relevant. So, we want people to know we're working on some stuff. But, um, yeah, it's going to come out in two years. <laughs> Yeah, that's honestly that's one of the reasons why, with a few exceptions, I really love what that Nintendo does not do that again, with a very few exceptions. Um, Metroid, uh, Metroid Prime Breath 4, Wild, Metroid Prime Breath of the Wild 2, with Metroid Prime 4, um, that one just rebooted, so that was yeah, not true. really. But then again, you have stuff like, and I don't know how much this lies with Nintendo, but Bayonetta 3 being announced mm, and we still true. haven't seen hide nor hair of that. But um, it's going really so, well, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. According to Hideki son. Yes. If the man says so, about. I gotta believe. I gotta you believe. Do. You know? <laughs> I mean, they, they put out Astral Chain, and I, I and uh, and I'll be talking about that and what we've been playing. But it, like, it's a solid game. So nice. It's not like they don't know what they're doing. It's just we're curious about what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. We want to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I still feel that 
I I get relevancy talk and stuff like that, but announce stuff to when you're almost absolutely sure that there's nothing that's gonna go wrong. You know, like if you know that you're gonna have a game out in six months and you can pretty much it's because the end's in sight, then you're good. If you're doing it at the beginning of a, uh, uh, if you're doing it past like the first, like you know, internal alpha, and all you have is enough content for a sizzle reel, maybe not announce it. Hmm. I agree. (laughs) Again, like, I feel like it's another trend that started, like, even with the last gen, like, in the Xbox One and the PS4 time, like, that announced games quite early out, and you wouldn't see games like Final Fantasy VII Remake just jumps to my head quite quickly. Um you know, they, they kind of announced it a bit like Metro Prime 4. Here's Final Fantasy VII in, you know, 2020. And it was like three, I don't know what it was in the end, like three years, four years that we had to wait. Something I can't like remember. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of 2016, something that they yeah. announced. Yeah, well, something that like that. Also, that one also had a uh, had a project reboot. Okay. It was so, still yeah, like that. And it's right. Yeah. It's just, uh, the more I think back, like, you know, especially I, I feel Sony and and Microsoft do it quite a bit. Like they hype you up with the trailer, and yeah. you're like, "Yeah, this game's going to come out." Like Fable, for example, for Xbox, I'm really looking forward to, but that looks nowhere near like it's going to release anytime soon. I think we got like an animation, basically, you know, and stuff like that. And you know, I, I just think you know, I, I do in a way it frustrates me that Nintendo doesn't announce things, but then. But then it, it kind of it's more exciting when they say actually it's coming out in three months time like when they did with Paper Mario the Origami King last year um, you know that was really great like literally like what there's a Paper Mario game coming out in three months time you know and we know it's going to be there so I yeah I don't know just one like every time there's a delay I, I know personally it's like oh, it kind of hits you hard and then there's another delay and you're kind of like oh, like because Hogwarts was actually. Um, one of the ones from the PS5 showcase that I was really looking forward to like this year and to hear that it was delayed today, you know, it's a bit like, oh, that was, you know, one PlayStation 5 game that I was really looking forward to trying this year. So, yeah, sorry, PlayStation 5, gathering dust. A bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Some people wow. will kill me for saying that. Some people will kill me because they want a PlayStation 5 so bad. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Hang on. Let me see if I can... Uh... I think there's uh, the Zoom also unmuted uh, yeah. in the excitement. I don't know, I don't know how that <laughs> Sorry, happened, it's okay. I don't worry about it. But like, I think yeah, yeah. that uh, you're right because, for example, Sony at the the last showcase they ended the show with uh, God of War, and they oh, said like, yeah. "Yeah, we have one more thing we want to show you," and then they showed God of War, and like, it's it's totally fine to say we're gonna show you God of War so people know that we're working on it, but at the same time they said, "Yeah, it's coming out in 2021," and. I do not believe that that game is coming out this year because the only plausible way that game could have come out this year was if they did Horizon Forbidden West in like Q2 of this year. So like maybe March or or April. And then they would save God of War for maybe the holiday season that they had a a game for that moment. But um, they're saying that Horizon Forbidden West is coming out in the second half of 2021 and i mean gran turismo 7 was supposed to come out the first half Mm -hmm. they they haven't said anything about that so like if they don't do anything in the first half of this year besides maybe ratchet and clank Mm -hmm. they're gonna have three or four games that are gonna come out in the holiday season and i mean sony is big enough to be able to do that and those games will sell 
but at the same time, those games might cannibalize each other because mm. they're all big IP. Like, okay, Gran Turismo has a specific audience, but I mean, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War 2, one is a, God of, a game of the year contender again, and the other is a super good open world game. And if they bring it out at the same time, I'm afraid Horizon will be cannibalized by God of War because God of War was like a game of the year at the time. So I, I think they're just going to push it to 2022. It was like, hey, you know, we want to give the game the proper attention and the polish you expect from us. You know, they'll use those standard lines like blah, blah, blah. You expect this from us. And we want to be able to honor those expectations, yada, yada, yada. So we're going to make the decision to push it to 2022. And then they'll just maybe do it like April, like they did with the first one. But then we will all be hit again with like, no, but you said 2021. Why? You know, then if you announce the game, say like, we're working on it. And don't give me a date. Say like, we're just working on it, you know? And then the hype will be on its own. Let's see, like, stop giving us dates. Like, you know, when there's a delay, just say we're working on it and and we'll give you a more concrete release date when when we know there's going to be one rather than being like every few months, oh, we're just pushing it back a couple of months. Yeah. You know, it, it hurts more, you know, but, but you're right. Like, like I, I, I agree with you. I think Sony will push out their schedule. Like I don't think, I don't think they can have that, those two coming out at the same time. So yeah, I reckon we'll have to see Horizon in 20, what is it, 22 now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the, the funny thing is, is 20, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn came out in 2017 and God of War came out a year later. So you'd expect like, hey, they've almost had four years of time to spend on yeah. the game. So I was expecting it to be a launch game, to be honest, for the PS5 because of the time that had passed. And from what we've understood is transitioning from PS4 to PS5 is really easy, really fast. It doesn't take a lot of effort or resources to get ready for it. So you'd expect them to be like, you know what? We, we've put three years into this game. I mean, if... If uh, Insomniac can do Miles Morales, which is basically like uh, an expansion to Spider-Man and do it for launch, and at the same time work on Ratchet and Clank, why can't Gorilla do uh, Horizon Forbidden West for launch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, good could, we, we, we could go to Amsterdam and ask them. Oh, yeah. I think oh, they're, they're, they're working from home. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, guard will probably push us away. Like, go, go away. <laughs> Speaking of games that should have been delayed, <laughs> Cyberpunk. Oh yes, uh, I yes. Think it will become our roadmap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I woke up this morning to see that uh, CD Projekt Red had put out a statement and also a video in which the CEO of CD Projekt Red had uh, made a video in which he basically apologized and said, um, all blame is on me, is not on the developers. They have worked their asses off to get this game out of the door. And it's it's purely me and leadership that have dropped the ball on this one. So please don't blame them, blame us. Um, We are committed to making the game you all deserve and expected from us. Um, And we just underestimated the sheer scope of bringing this game to other platforms because our aim was our focus was the pc and that is still the best way to play this game um and we're just a bit uh sad to see that it had such a bad impact on you all if you buy the ps4 version or the xbox one version 
Um, so we're committed. We, we made a few hot fixes. We're going to do two big patches, uh, patch 1.1 and 2. Uh, they'll be coming out soon, and they will bring the current-gen versions or the old-gen versions to a playable state. Uh, they will keep on supporting the game with free DLC. They were going to do that closely after launch, but they've pushed it so they can work on uh, Cyberpunk. And then the free upgrade for the next-gen versions will still be coming out later this year. Um, in the second half of the year is the is the aim. And um, basically that. And I mean, like, it, it's good that they did it. I They should have done it before because they're under immense scrutiny. I also saw that, like, the... The, the Polish version of the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission you have in the uh, in in America, is doing an, an investigation into CD Projekt Red because of uh, some, yeah, I wouldn't call it malpractice, but the things that they did that they kind of maybe didn't tell investors the whole thing, and um, that they went out and said like, we sold 13 million copies of the game, and that's with uh, refunds included. This game is a success, and like. Yeah, it's not the best time to gloat when you're not in the best position. So maybe not have said that and said like, hey, we appreciate your tremendous support. The game has sold incredibly well and we are even more committed to making it the best game. Because I think personally, it might have lost game of the year because of this. Because it will not have been, like the experience will not have been great from the start. And like, this might have cost them game of the year. Yeah, I don't. Oh. I don't think it's gonna appear on the game of. I don't think it's gonna. Mm, mm. How should I put this? I don't think it's gonna appear at the game awards in for twenty twenty one. It yeah. could because it's still a good game. It's just that the whole story around it is just um, less. Okay, so at least not for game of the year then. Maybe for. Action RPG or something. Action R. They don't have an action. R they just have an RPG. Why? Would, why don't they have that? Okay. Start. start <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Maybe they'll get nominated for for RPG, but actually, even with that, like the reception on that end has been also all over the place. Some people enjoy it, and some people are like, "Yeah, my choices don't matter. This is not an RPG." Hmm. Yeah, so I, yeah. I've got so so many like thoughts on this. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, it's <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get angry. It's like this <laughs> 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 is very hard for me. So I'm gonna try. Um, I, I think I think the thing that annoys me with, with the whole situation and them trying to come out and like defend themselves is that they announced this game even before PlayStation Four and Xbox One One was even a thing. So, so this is like, and, and now, and now they're telling us that they announced it for PlayStation Four and Xbox One, but the game doesn't run well on on those consoles at all, like at all. Like, so what were you doing for eight years? Like, honestly, as much as like there's the, and I understand like the developer crunch and stuff, but 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 this is eight years we're talking about. Like, there was no next gen console. Like, how, it's a slap in the mouth for people for them to come out and say that. Oh well, don't. Play it on PlayStation Five or Xbox Series X because that's where it runs better. Well, you're just lucky that they actually came out because if they hadn't have come out this year, you would have been launching this game on PlayStation Four and Xbox One, 
and we would have been all getting the rubbish that that was served up to us for those versions of the game regardless like so so they're just absolutely lucky that those two consoles happen to come out and it happens to run better on those on those consoles like and then for, for them to come out and be like oh you know we're still going to make it the best game possible for those consoles well i think there's still millions of players on PlayStation 4. There would have been, it's still a PlayStation 4 game. You go to the shop, you, you pick it off the PlayStation 4 shelf, you know, and like people will be expecting it to run on their PlayStation 4 and, and, and the horrible state that it was, that it was given to us, like it's, it's, it's really embarrassing for them. And the, and the backpedaling that, that they did when it released was even more embarrassing. And, and now this guy comes out and says, you know, blame it on me, blah, blah, blah. Well, totally blame it on you because (laughs) (laughs) because you would have been pushing for this game to be released you know and and your bad management has has led to this like and also like if they had have known that it was running this bad on consoles they should have just released it on pc and delayed it on consoles or, or just delayed it again like it's just oh it's I I don't care about their roadmap now. Like like I, I've seen it play on PS4 and PS5, and there is a clear difference. Um, the PS4 is laughable. It's it, it's laughable. It's ridiculous. Um, like playing Grand Theft Auto the one or Grand Theft Auto <laughs> friggin' hell, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Why is relevant? Your head was in the ground half the time because of the glitches. So. <laughs> But, but but yeah, like I I, I their roadmap and and I think like then to say like oh the the final thing we'll do for you this year because you're so awesome is we'll give you the next gen update you know like it's just like oh, I don't know it just it all just very smells all very fishy for me like I I I think it's just yeah I don't know that that's my thoughts anyway <laughs> oh that's really good insights I mean like yeah yeah you're absolutely right and I think um I, I've said it as well like they should have done a PC release only and then say like, okay, you know what? We're just going to give you the PC version right now because that's the best version we have and we, we're going to polish the console versions and then it will come out like six months later because that way you you still have your game out there. It's still good. People will get excited for it. So you won't have this immense backlash of people saying like, yeah, you stole my money. I mean, I don't know how much that, that collector's edition was, but I've seen a lot of them coming up on Instagram. It's, it's really cool to see. Like, if I, I bought the PC version through Steam, I'm like, you know, I'm having a good experience. But if you bought like a collector's edition worth two, maybe 300 euros or dollars, I can't imagine you feeling pretty screwed over because you're like, I sinked a lot of money into this game and I can't even enjoy it to the fullest because I need to wait for some updates or a next gen upgrade. Um, where's my money, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They just need to... I, I don't know how they're ever going to smooth it over. I like like that's that's where I'm at. But maybe I, maybe I'm just angry. But uh, but I, I don't know. It just it just feels like this of all the games. Like like I know a lot of people were looking forward to it from from the initial like announcement. Yeah. Um, it just kind of feels like a bit of a slap in the face, and still and still is a little bit like oh, but we're going to do all this stuff to fix it now. So how hard are they going to have to work to fix it now? Uh, anyway, uh, it's. It's just mind-blowing to me a little bit. It's kind of like uh, Bioware. I mean, Bioware also had this legendary RPG status because they did three Mass Effect games, which are really good. They did Dragon Age, which was really good. And then people were, like, uh, uh, really excited for Mass Effect Andromeda. And then that game 
tanked, unfortunately. And then people were really excited for Anthem because it was going to be their mm. first IP and looked really, really nice. And then that tanked as well. And kind of like the, the main thing with both games was factors such as them being forced to use Frostbite, which is the Battlefield engine, which is for Battlefield amazing. And also kind of like bad management, pushing them in, in different directions, no clear vision on where to go with the game. And, and now it feels like it's they have fallen from grace and they are on this redemption path to um, bring out a new Mass Effect game, which is set in the Shepard universe. They're, they're going to do a new Dragon Age. And it, it feels like that, that they're actually going to nail it this one this time because they're just taking the time and they're like, hey, we're just super cautious and we don't want to create this huge expectation. We know you expect a lot from us. And I think for CD Projekt Red to kind of redeem themselves, they're first going to have to give us a good a couple of updates, then good updates and content. And then even after that, because they're still also going to do the Witcher 3 uh, next-gen upgrade. I think that's going to either be delayed or... Um, they better scratch their heads and think twice before just dumping that because you never know what's going to happen with that. And then they'll probably have to announce a Witcher 4 and then say like, yeah, but this game's going to blow your minds. And if they do that, they might have redeemed themselves. But that's like in five years from now. Yeah. I was just thinking that about five years from now. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane because they did like... It is. They built this huge reputation and then... Overnight, it just poof, vanished and yep, went away. Just like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> Such a shame. It is. Yeah. Well, onto some fun news, I think. You two want to talk about Super Mario and Super Mario World and uh, Bowser. And I'll just shut up now and give you two the stage. <laughs> so so nerd out on Nintendo. <laughs> oh, I'm getting, um... getting hot. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want to talk about, uh, Dan? Like, what should we tackle first? Should we? Let, I reckon start with Super Nintendo World because that's kind of like the le- less exciting news, I think. But because um, yeah. I think the other one, I'm I'm a little bit more pumped about. <laughs> but um, yeah, just um, just before we jumped on to record, just saw that the opening of Super Nintendo World in Japan um, is going to be delayed. So a little, a little bit disappointing after all the the direct news, but kind of understandable in our current situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's not just that. It's because they were doing already some test runs and they were having press over and the press was really positive about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it looks so cool. Like, you saw people on the on the rides, you know, and people on, like taking videos of the Yoshi ride and, you know, like it looks like the, um, the models that like the, what the, yeah, sorry, it's models that they've designed are like really amazing, like inside that Yoshi ride. Did you, by the way, see how quickly Nintendo struck all those videos down? They kept being re-uploaded and they kept being struck down by Nintendo. <laughs> those oh, ninjas I, are everywhere. I, I, <laughs> I, keep, I keep sharing it with people and it's like oh here look check it out and it's like there's nothing there it's like wait what and then i check it and then it's privatized it's like, oh, oh dang it, i know i'm so I'm, I'm glad we got to actually see it before it got taken down though because uh, yeah. I, would, I would have been extremely disappointed yeah i mean it's a slow ride but yeah. you know not everything has to be high octane you know roller coaster ride and it's really nice it's it's it's, it's constructed really well um 
it kind of reminds yeah, me of the games, like you know, like that. That they on the outside they seem easy, but like like it's a little bit more complicated than that. And like, say, so even though the ride's coming slow as you go through it, like those amazing, you know, characters just just come to life. Like that that was amazing. Yeah. And the like the 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 seat that they're sitting in has some interactive elements in it because I saw like buttons, like colored Yoshi egg like oh. buttons on it. And they didn't interact with it, so I don't know if they did it on purpose or they were too busy filming. So I think there's a little bit more to that ride mm. than what we know at this point, outside of yeah. the fact that it looks really pretty. Yeah, interesting. Really nice. Yes, all of that stuff. It's very important. It's very Nintendo. Um, but I think, I think that... Go on. Yeah, sorry. I think the uh, I wanted to say the only thing that we haven't seen yet is the Mario Kart ride, and that probably has to do with the fact that it's all AR based and mm. I don't think that they're I don't know if they're testing that ride or if they're letting if they were allowing people to do that ride or they were way more strict in you know like filming and stuff but considering the way that one works I don't think we're going to see how the ride looks yeah I, I yeah totally agree because you know as with Nintendo they're going to create something like that we may not have seen before. And I, and I think it's going to be very hard to like, and I think maybe deliberately, it's going to be very hard to, you know, record what that experience is going to be like until you actually experience it for yourself. Did you see the ads though? I did. Because they had ads rolling in Japan for this. Yes. I, I saw one of them. Um, like I think it was one that was like released pretty quickly after the, like little direct we got at the end of at the end of the year, and, and it got me re like really excited. Um, thinking like yeah, thinking about going, I was um, obviously it's very hard to travel right now, but it's like that's kind of the first place I wanted to go. That they did a very good job of convincing me, <laughs> <laughs> which, like, is, which is something that they're also worried about in Japan at large. Is that uh, apparently on a lot of people's list to visit when the pandemic is over or when restrictions have gone down and mm -hmm. you can actually travel more freely is japan <laughs> so yep. japan is at the same time aesthetic but also kind of worried that there's going to be way too many people and it would be at a time where maybe the pandemic was starting to settle down if you suddenly have a whole bunch of people coming in that it might ramp up again so yep. absolutely or just, or just you know the in general tourism like yes. way too many tourists in one place so. yeah absolutely <laughs> Uh, but look, one one of the things that I was kind of excited about was how interactive the was it is it the bow the power bracelet is that what they, that's yeah, the power what, yeah like how interactive that is across the world and like literally like how there's little challenges throughout the world that you can like push your power bracelet up against and like try and you know do little activities with it like that that to me is sound this is kind of mind-blowing kind of and that and again not great during a pandemic because you just literally want to go and touch everything <laughs> <laughs> literally gonna go, go and push your wrist up against everything um yeah. but like just again like you can see that nintendo flavor just coming like that interactiveness of for coming through and, and the fact that the, like it keeps a record of what you've done throughout the park on on an app so you can kind of collect your coins and take away you know whatever I don't know. I don't. I need to look at the app a bit more carefully. But I think there's, yeah, all points you can get and prizes and all sorts of stuff. So kind of exciting. Daily rankings, weekly rankings, and like all time rankings and stuff like that. And apparently, 
Universal Studios does this sort of thing already. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, um, like the Hogwarts area of Universal Studios, you can get like wands from Ollivanders that are actually interactive in the park. So, for example, you can use the wand to light up the the lights um, in Hogwarts Castle. Like if you wave it, apparently. I'm not sure how that works. I just heard it. I haven't I haven't tried to look up videos for that on YouTube yet because I was way too much into like trying to get all the details for uh, Super Nintendo World, but yeah. <laughs> like, well, so it's, it's it's so they have experience with that and that's yeah. really cool to see. And the the power bands are slap bracelets. So yeah. Yes. <laughs> that feels I love so it. 90s. It's perfect for Nintendo. Absolutely perfect. Um, I actually have a funny story about the wands um, from Universal Studio. My my mum and dad went to Japan a couple of years ago, and mum was like, "Wow, I bought you a wand from Universal Studios." And you know, when, when she came home, she gave it to me, and she's like, "Apparently, all you need to do is is pick it up and swoosh it around, and it'll light up and all sorts of stuff." I said, "Oh, wow, that's so cool!" So I take it out of the box, I pull the little tag out, swoosh it around. Nothing, not a thing. And I said, I said, what are you talking about? This is doing nothing. And then we read through the instructions. You actually have to be standing at the certain spots at Universal Studios for it to make any whooshing sounds or any lighting up. So, oh, so thanks, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for my useless ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's It'll be a good prop for uh, when Hogwarts Legacy comes out and you can use it for a post, probably. <laughs> It'll be yeah. great. <laughs> I could get in my, my uh, um, Hogwarts you know, gown and stand in front of the TV and swish all I like. <laughs> oh, my face. Um, so, yeah, it's being delayed, the Super Nintendo World opening. Um you know, not surprising. What is surprising was that they also showed us the first uh, the first piece, bits of pieces of Bowser's Fury, which is the, I guess what you would call the add-on game, which is something they've been doing a lot recently. Uh, they started with the remakes that they did for uh, Mario and Luigi on the 3DS, uh, where they added like an additional smaller game to the to the whole package mm. to sweeten the deal for for players who are revisiting the game, and they did this for Super Mario 3D World coming to Switch in like like what a month yeah, from now, literally a month. Yeah, scary. And they announced Bowser's Fury when they did, but all we saw was this teaser trailery thing of Cat Mario sitting in front of a giant uh, cat bell. And nothing else, and just like rain and thunder. But apparently, that's part of the game because yeah. Bowser is furious. He for really is. Reason. He really is. Like that's the coolest looking Bowser I think I've ever seen. I think we can all agree that is the most metal, like literally the most metal, because the the music that introduces Fury Bowser is wow. actual. Like I don't think they've ever used. They've had like simulations of like metal-ish music for Bowser. Yeah. This is the first time I feel that if you said that this was written by a metal band, I would not bet an eye. Say like yes, yes. That, oh, it, 
I was so excited when I heard that music come on. I was like, whoa, this is like amazing. Like it's it's kind of suited the whole theme, like turning from this beautiful, gorgeous summer's day to like this crazy post apocalyptic Bowser tirade. I don't know, it was just it was nuts. It just went dark and the music started and there was fire raining down from the sky and it was just like, Whoa, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it looks really cool, and the and and the game itself is actually impressive looking because I, I don't know if you noticed it, uh, but it really feels like something you would see in Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah, and that it's this one big open world Mario level. Yeah, you even call it a level at that point, where Mario has to make it through and get cat shines because they're on an island or a archipelago of islands um, of cats. So everything is cats. And I love that, I have to say. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, but there's an image of a piranha plant cat, which has cat ears, but it's angled in such a way that the ear opening looks like a mouth. Wow. So you have this <laughs> giant maw of a piranha plant with like this triangle mouth sitting on it. Ugh, sorry. <laughs> uh, excuse me. I don't yeah. know why they thought that angle was a good angle to show off that particular model, but <laughs> I'm now going to go have going to have to search the internet high and low for this image. Now you, you do realize? Oh, I can. I, I I think I don't think I bookmarked it. I I saw it on Twitter, but I'll be able to send it to you. Like, Lovely. I think it's <laughs> actually scratch that. I think it's actually on Nintendo's official Twitter. Oh uh, wow. You look it up there. I think you should be able yeah. to find it. Um, I'll jump on and have a look. Yeah, yeah but I, after that, um, sorry. No, that's yeah. right. I, I was going to say, like, I, I really liked how everything had the cat flavor. But then the kind of one thing that kind of piqued my interest a little bit was the, the realistic cats um, that were, like, hugging up to Mario. And they looked they look like they had the color of the other characters in the game. So I don't know if they're if they're linked somehow to... To, to the story of the whole thing. And, and when, and when Bowser did go like, all mega gigantic, crazy, those, those cats turned like evil. Like, I don't know whether you saw in the trailer, they were like, um, yeah. they had all the yeah. purple stuff over it too. Like it, it, it's just, it's just really interesting. Like what they're like, what, what, what it's going to play like. And, and I think with the randomness of, of Bowser's fury, like, it looks like a time kind of event and how it changes things. It, it might add a bit more um, replayability to to that part of the part of the game because there was there was a bit bit of time there where I was like, is this going to be like a roguelike type thing? You know, where it's going to kind of change over time and you you kind of power up. But I think it's going to be more like <clears throat> he's going to come loose every now and then, you, and you've got to find these cat shines to try and open that giant bell to to take him on and and what are your thoughts on that power up from the final bell uh the first thought that i that i had in my mind was oh okay giant cat mario then i saw the hair yeah and i was super saiyan cat mario okay <laughs> exactly that's, that's different <laughs> I, I i didn't know what to think it's like okay it kind of looks like a lion but your first thought is never, oh, he's a cat that's glowing and has like a mane now, so he's a so he's a lion. No, they're standing on end. He's a super saiyan. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I don't know what the mechanic is with with that. I don't know if it's a recurring battle that you have to do or if that's the... the I don't think that's the end goal. I think the end goal is to beat Bowser as always, but mm -hmm. I don't think that encounter is going to be the only encounter using the bell. I think you're yeah. going to occasionally get the opportunity to use the bell. You'll fight Bowser a bit and then he'll you know calm down, go away. And then you have to collect more shines to, you know, unlock it again. That That's how I think it's going to go. Educated guess, it could be completely different. I don't know. I mean, I didn't expect Bowser's Fury to be essentially part Super Mario 3D World, part uh, Super Mario Odyssey uh, expansion, which, by the way, second, it's a co-op player game so i don't they didn't say that one was online which super mario 3d world is the multiplayer in that is online which we kind of already knew but now it's confirmed but yeah bowser jr with mario it's not the f actually think about it it's not the first time that they've teamed up because they recently did that in origami <laughs> they did <laughs> so it's like building up some kind of weird theme which is kind of yeah. funny because because before that, we had um, Super Mario 3D Land, where um, I think Bowser Jr. was like the one, was the actual antagonist in that one. I don't yeah. Remember. Oh, yeah. He was. He was for part of it, wasn't he? I think. I think there was yeah. certain castles you fought Bowser Jr. Yeah, and yeah. the same thing for New Super Mario Brothers 2. He was also like. In, he was like a mid-boss as well back then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it then was. all of a sudden, within the span of a year, they're teaming up twice. <laughs> that's so true. And funnily enough, in my, in paper, in Oregon, what that? Try again, Origami King. Um, you, you had to restore all these colors um, twice, and now he's got a paintbrush, and so it's kind of really linked. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. Uh, I, yeah. I did like how he can like draw on the walls and a power up comes out that that looks pretty cool and i think i think there'll be a lot of um i reckon there'll be a lot of kids who will want to play as bowser jr because i don't know i don't know about you but growing up you always i always wanted to play as the bad guy like what would it be like to play as the bad guy you know so you know, i think it's kind of cool that um he obviously sees something's wrong with his dad and that painting at the start and and off they go but yeah it, it, it the graphics look, look beautiful, and, and as you said, it's very, very Odyssey, Odyssey-like in my head. It's a lot more open world, and lots of little areas to explore. So, yeah, hopefully, it gives us a few hours of of joy. Because if you haven't played Super Mario 3D World, you've really got to do yourself a favor and and pick it up. Because unfortunately, it was well, unfortunately, it was released on the Wii U. Um, and it was really is one of those hidden gems. So I'm, I'm actually thinking about going back and playing 3D Land just because I'm really in the in the hype zone right now for it. So I might, I might grab the dust the 3DS off and uh and play 3D Land. So yeah, grab 3D grab 3D I'm, Land as well. I'm still holding out hope that they'll port that one as well. Um. I'm not sure how they're going to tackle that. I'm pretty sure that if they're going to do it, they're going to do it again. They're going to add another game to it like they did with this. Yeah. But yeah, 3D Land. Um, I wouldn't call it underrated because it came out early in the 3DS's yeah. uh, lifespan. So I 
I'm pretty sure a lot of people got it because also they had like a lot of bundles that came with the game. So mm, that's bad. I don't know. Maybe maybe if if mm, they were going to do it, they should have done it for the 35th anniversary. But again, that all got side blind. Um, yes. Thank you, pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> but at the same time, they also announced. Well, that may be the same time. I think a day later. Yeah. Because they released the seven-minute trailer the day after, didn't they? And then they announced the, yeah. Yeah. A Mario Switch. Which comes with a bunch of cool stuff. Like a completely customized Switch with customized uh, Joy-Cons with custom red and blue coloring, exactly like Mario's motif. Uh, It comes with a case. It comes with uh, a Joy-Con grip that is also, the same color scheme. What else is it coming with, actually? I feel like there's a whole bunch of things that it's coming out with that I'm looking over, but I think that's about it. It's the first Switch that has, like, a different color around the edge of the of the screen as well. And, and on the back, like, it's, it's very... It's interesting because even the special edition ones that have come out so far have still been black, but have had, like, etchings on the back. So this is yeah. like the first like really different colored colored switch. I just wish they made the stand red as well. I don't know, just the one thing that annoyed me about. Mm. Wait, yeah. which stand? The stand, oh, you know, you know the kickstand on the back. It's black. That makes no sense. Yeah, I know. It just kind of throws you out of the illusion. It's like, oh, it's yeah, black. I'm looking at it. It's like, oh wow! I didn't even notice the first time. That's weird. Yeah, this is a bit it's weird. Not, I didn't notice. Yeah, <laughs> of course. That, that was the first thing I was like, "Oh, black kickstand." No, thank you. <laughs> well, I think I know why. I think it has to why? do with the fact that they sell, at least here on the Nintendo, uh, on the Nintendo online store, they sell replacement uh, kickstands Makes for sense. about seven euros. Yeah, and that one's black. Yeah. So if Makes considering. Sense. The relative ease these things tend to mm-hmm. fall off. Um, <laughs> yep. You'd probably be ordering a replacement one, and considering that this is either a timed thing, which I highly doubt that it's timed, but um, it's it's going to be way less of an occurrence. They just thought, you know what, just the black one, so if they ever have to get it replaced, people are not going to be upset that they can only get a black one. That that totally makes sense. So that that's that's very clever. And it, I didn't even think about that. I was just like, why is it not red? Listen to me complain about something. <laughs> Always no, but it, I, I I don't know. I don't know about you, but does the Joy Cons mm-hmm. slip in that grip? Is it like the same as Murray's overalls? Is is like this? Is that the way that the colors are? Like I was just. It's like the reverse, right? Is, yeah, that's what I thought. I was trying to. <laughs> Are also blue and the shirt's red. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then, and I and you can see I did a lot of research on it, so could I don't know. Yeah. The the red is the undershirt and the blue's the <laughs> blue's the yeah. Uh, I like it though. No, it was yeah. I I hope um yeah, I hope it does well because I think it's it's kind of a fun it's a fun looking one. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we've... All oh, right, there is one more thing that we have to talk about um, before we uh, 
going through the next segment. So apparently, the PlayStation Four ish um, has been discontinued in Japan, with the exception of the PlayStation Four Slim. It's been discontinued, and uh, we were talking about it before we came on the air that um, it's been really hard to get the PlayStation Four Pro apparently elsewhere in the world, but Sony hasn't officially announced that they've stopped production of those systems for other regions. So, yeah, we don't know what's going on there. Um, But it is striking to see that they've already discontinued those models. I mean, we know that Microsoft discontinued the the One X um, and just and the and the and the all digital edition of the of the Xbox One, aka the Xbox Sad. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that's what the acronym is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's 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 SAD. <laughs> um, so, it, I th- I think the, the reason why it happened and. I agree with some of the, the 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 online chatter about this is that they are focusing on producing more PlayStation 5s and it's a lot easier to discontinue something that is essentially being replaced anyways by a newer system and just keep the light model so that people that still want or the slim model for people that still want to buy a cheaper alternative they can do that because most of the games that are coming out for the next, I'm saying the next two years, the people like the, the you know, Sony and, so, and Microsoft are saying like year. I'm saying the next two years or so, we're going to see a lot of cross-generational games coming out still. And we're still even seeing, especially from Japan, because of course, a lot of games that are still only coming out for PlayStation 4. So it makes sense for the PlayStation 4 Slim to be around. It's kind of a shame, really. That they had were that their hand was essentially forced to cancel the pro, um, but again because of the pricing, it's not very handy to have something that's basically the same price as your new system and is less powerful. But then I wonder why they don't just discontinue the slim and then say, hey, you want entry-level 4K, that is our PS4 Pro, we're putting it against the Xbox Series S, because I think they're almost the same from a power point of view. Like, if you look at pure GPU compute, I think it's like the same, is that the Series S is faster with the SSD and the processor. But, like, if I would almost say, like, okay, you know what, you drop the Pro to 299 you say, hey, if you want entry-level 4K, we have a huge library of PS4 games, that you can all play in an enhanced way, uh, be it full HD or higher. Um, if you want the, f- the true next-gen experience, we still have got you covered. We have either the digital edition of the PS5 or the disc edition of the PS5. Um, but that way you kind of take away the argument of well, Microsoft's offering an Xbox Series S, which, to be honest, I don't think it, it is selling that much because if I look around, I can... At least when I looked around two weeks ago, I could just buy one. Whereas with the Series X, it was a bit harder to get one. Um, so then I would expect like from a business point of view, they're like, hey, you know what? We we have this opportunity to win over customers as well uh, or, or pull them into the Sony uh, ecosystem and say like, hey, you know, you can play all these amazing games. Uh, you play God of War, Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima. 
and just for two ninety nine, and that's a lot of money, but it's cheaper than four ninety nine, and then piling games on top of that, for example. So I'm surprised they discontinued the pro. I wouldn't expect them to do it. Mm, true. Oh, by the way, if you're hearing that whirring sound, it's because my laptop decided to become a jet engine. Ah, always fun. <laughs> always. <laughs> now I have to pay his full slim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what my PlayStation 4 sounds like whenever I play anything that's like really intensive. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it is a strange move. I, I didn't expect it. Um, there's probably a good reason for them to do it. I mean, they're they're churning out as much PS5s as they can. But to be honest, I I still think it's going to be like months before people can just walk into a store and just grab one off shelves and say, I want to take this PS5 home with me today. I think Xbox is going to get there sooner, but that's simply because the demand for Xbox is unfortunately lower. So mm. you'll be able to walk into a store and maybe in two months just grab a Series X. Um, but I think for the PS5, it's, it's literally going to be, I think like in the beginning, people were just, I, I know with scalpers, when they were selling them off here in the Netherlands, for example, they were posting in their ads saying like, this is your only chance to get a PS5 because if you don't buy one now, you'll be able to get one next year in May. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of like a terror tactic. You're just trying to scare someone mm -hmm. into buying your PS5. But I'm actually starting to think that that will become a reality because they simply, I think it is simply the, the issue of they cannot meet demand, which is like the most luxurious position to be in as a manufacturer that that there is just so much demand that you just simply can't meet it. It's just that people might get bored with it and eventually say like, oh, well, you know what? It's taking so long to get a PS5. I'll just buy an Xbox because those are available. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm looking at, I was looking at a few sites right now and they're not available anywhere. Like nothing. No Xboxes, yeah. no PlayStation. <laughs> sites, like nothing. Oh. So, yeah, we're the same yeah. here in Australia. We had, we actually had a retailer the other day get everyone excited because they're like, we've got PlayStation 5s in stock. And everyone went and got their place or pre-ordered their PlayStation 5. And shocking, I know, like 10 hours later, it's like, sorry, guys, uh, we're actually not getting any PlayStation 5s. Here's a refund. And, oh. and they gave everyone like $100 store credit because one of my friends did it. So, but it's just like... It's, I think it's, you're right. It's just going to be like months until people are going to be able to get one. I, I don't think there's been a shipment here since like the original release window shipment. Oh, wow. which, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've already had two shipments. And I think the third one is like, because I, I see a lot of retailers either informing people or um, other things like saying that it's going to be either uh, this week or what was supposed to be last week. So I think uh, it's happening. The funny thing that I've noticed is that like, like never before are there giveaways where companies give away a PS5. I mean, like you see those ads on Instagram. I'm like, is there like an infinite supply of PS5s to give away? Because like every <laughs> random strange company, like a car company is like, buy a car and you might win a PS5. I'm like, what? Why? Why doesn't it come with the PS5? Yeah, I was like so strange. Yeah, like. Yeah. People don't know how to attract attention anymore to their brand, and they're like, you know what, a PS5 will probably do the thing. And I'm like, no, man, that's not the way to do it. 
Doritos has 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 that here. Yeah. And so Doritos has that here, and Pringles has that for Xbox here. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. It, it, but right right now here, it's it's almost like they don't exist. Like even on, like we have EB Games, and even on their website, like. It's just like that they don't exist. Like they have, you can see PS, they have the PS4 button and the Xbox One button and the Switch button. But apart from that, like you, you would, you'd have to search PlayStation 5 to find anything like the controller or anything. It's just like, it's like they don't want to, you know, tell anybody about what's going on. It's very weird. It's a very weird situation here. I don't know. It's just, yeah. It's like, like a dirty little secret. Uh. It is. That's how I feel. It's like, it's like a dirty, it was like when the Wii U was around and they buried that too because nobody was buying Wii U's. So they just uh, buried that somewhere deep in the side as well. So it's like, yeah, until we have PlayStation 5 to sell, we're not going to want you to buy anything pretty much. But how, wow. that's how it feels. Yeah. A bit weird. I don't think people have to worry about that too much, considering there's probably going to be a lot of cross-gen games this year anyway. So Yeah. And I think like, yeah. the only benefit is is if you eventually do, like, say you get like a PS5 in six months, then the, the benefit you will have is that there are a lot of games you can play on it. Because that's kind of what I'm struggling with right now, is that there are a few games I want to play on it, but it's more like I can also play them on the PS4. You know, so it's like yeah. you're in this limbo of, wow, I almost feel elite because I have a next-gen console people want. But at the same time, it's, I wouldn't say useless, but you can't kind of like use it to its fullest because there's nothing to play on it. And to go back and to play all those old PS4 games, you get bored of that eventually. You're like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's literally the biggest paperweight i've ever owned at the minute <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's, it's a shame <laughs> uh, love it oh man well there is one more news article that i want to talk about but i'm going to save that for what we've been playing because mm. there's a lot to talk about in that one. Oh, okay so, uh, unless you guys have any other news articles that you want to talk about no then... okay mm. all good um, Dan, you were saying? No, all good here. Yeah, awesome. Nothing. Right. Sean, you uh, good? All good. All good. All right. So stick around, and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with this week's segment of what we've been playing sean templar what have you been playing um i haven't played been playing a lot as i mentioned at the beginning of the episode i have kind of like this dip i i have them from time to time that i just don't feel like playing anything even though i have a lot to play um so um I, i've been trying to get through assassin's creed valhalla uh, purely because I want to buy, I, I made this deal with myself that with the start of a new generation, I'm first going to finish a game on my PS5 before I buy a new game, um, because otherwise I will have an even bigger backlog on that as well, which I kind of want to prevent. So um, so far it's actually working because I bought Mas Morales and I finished it. Um, I bought Watch Dogs Legion back on the PS4 and I finished it on the PS5. Um, 
I, I was waiting. I was holding off on Valhalla because I was playing Yakuza Kiwami 2 on the PS4. And I'm happy that I did because otherwise I would have missed out on the sale and I would have paid like 30 bucks more for Valhalla. So my, my commitment kind of saved me money. Um, so yeah, I, I'm in Valhalla. I think I'm in 30, 31 and a half hours right now. Um, I'm at 60% completion of the main story. I, I try to do the main story the most because... Um, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Uh, that person was playing uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. And it's crazy how when Assassin's Creed came out, it was this, uh, it was always based around either one city or a couple of cities. And that was your playground. And then going into Origins, they kind of took away that city aspect. And they said like, no, 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 it's not a city anymore. It's a whole world you can go to. And they expanded on that in Odyssey. So like, uh, but the world is even bigger. And I mean, I, I finished Odyssey and there were even some places in the map I still hadn't gone to. So imagine how immense that world is. And then here with Valhalla as well, they have like three worlds. You have Norway where you start in, which is already pretty big. And then six hours later, you go to England, which is also super big. And then in between, you also have like an Asgard section, which you go to Asgard, which is also another world. It's not super big, but like it's still a whole different place you go to. And it's like overwhelming it sometimes, you know, because you just don't know what to do. You, you, you climb your tower, you synchronize, and it shows you all these points of interest on the map. And you're like, I seriously don't know where to go because there's just so much stuff to do in this world. And because of that, I just follow the main quest because, like, that is my only guiding principle. Like, finish the main story. And sometimes when I'm around and I, I stumble upon side thingies, I do them. But um, I, I feel overwhelmed. And it's it's just I, I, I never expected this to happen with an Assassin's Creed game. I see Did you, you say Asgard? Yeah, yeah. So there's Norse mythology in it. And... Um, like to sh- to shed a little bit, um, they're they're playing into the the um, the mythology and kind of like the the witchcraft and the shamans and stuff like that. So, for example, there's a part where you uh, drink a potion and you go into this uh, dream, and there you suddenly see uh, Odin, the Allfather, talking to you and kind of guiding you through things and. Um, Funnily enough, Odin appears a couple of times, but only to you in the game. So I, I finished a mission yesterday, for example, in which suddenly just Odin randomly pops up. The girl, the world kind of fades into this gray, darkish mode. And there's Odin just talking to you, kind of guiding you or giving you some new um, sense on what to do and handle certain situations. Really, really cool. A little bit strange. Um, I keep getting these Thor Ragnarok vibes and like you hear Loki, you hear Freya. You're like, oh, I know all these characters from the Marvel movies. Uh, but it's, it's not the faces you or the voices you expect to, to hear from them. Um, so, yeah, um, basically that. Um, it's, it's a really cool game. I, I love the combat. Um, I have struggled to get into it a little bit compared to Odyssey because Cassandra was uh, was a more likable character. She had more depth to it. I like that more. Um, but eventually, after I got over the hurdle, because I was playing it on and off, I, I kind of got over this hurdle. And now um, I'm fully committed to finishing the game. And I hope that I can this week so I can finally play uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising because that game looks, um, looks really cool. The, the funny thing about that game is that 
it reviewed worse than Assassin's Creed, but it is from what I've heard and seen the more popular game. A lot of people are saying like, hey, this game is so much fun. This game is really cool. It's the surprise of 2020. You should really check it out. Um, That's really funny because nobody says that about Valhalla. Everybody, the only thing I hear about Valhalla is, yeah, that quest bugged out on me or this happened or that happened because I've had that like three times that a quest bugged out and I just, now I'm so careful when I play a quest that, if it takes a little bit too long for an objective to be marked as completed, I'm like, is the quest bugging out right now? And then, like, if it does, you have to start the game all over, the, the mission all over again, of course. So, you know, those are some little eeny beady gripes I have with the game. Um, besides that, also jumped into New Game Plus of Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I, I've been wanting to play that game for a while again, and the game... Is as as beautiful as I remember. It's really fun playing with Aloy and rediscovering everything all over again. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically it. I mean, I have a, a fun thing I discovered is there's, there's an app I use on my phone in which you can kind of keep track of the games you want to play or the games you play or are looking forward to. So what I did is, is I went through the backlog of my games on PS4 and I made a list of the games that I want to play from my backlog. Um, I think it's like 20, 24 games in there. I've kind of made it a mission to myself to, to kind of get through that backlog at least this year. At least then I'll have a, a satisfied feeling like, yes, I actually made a, a dent in my backlog. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's games on it like uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order or Firewatch, uh, the Hitman games, uh, Doom just games I usually bought in a sale but never actually finished or even started playing. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I feel it, your pain. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I don't know what it is. It's like I was talking to this uh, with someone yesterday. Like, it's like your backlog is currently lurking at you, and and when you buy a new game, they're like, "But why won't you play with me? <laughs> I have so much options. Why won't you play with me?" I'm like. Yeah, but you're not fun. I mean, you don't allow me to be an assassin in England as, an, as a Viking. You're like, yeah, but we have so much more options. We have a Doom guy. We have uh, a Jedi and others. So much. I'm like, yeah, I just need to make an effort to finish those games because it's they're really good games in it. I just never find the time to, to play them. Mm. It's definitely a challenge. I, um, because, because I'm in a similar boat with the switch backlog. Like I, I, I like to buy games that people are playing currently so we can uh, talk about it. But what happens is I start playing that game and then the game I was playing gets pushed to the side and it's just a constant, a yeah. constant pushback. So it's actually this year I decided kind of similar to you. I, I wrote out all this, all the switch games I haven't played. And then over the last few weeks, I've just been playing like about two or three. I've been, I've been calling it like a little demo time and to see nice. if it like connect connects with me, and then I've kind of come up with like a final list of games that I actually want to play and finish, and the rest are are, are being put right right to the back of the backlog, like like just as part of the collection almost. So I now have a targeted <laughs> set amount of games that I want to <laughs> want to play. Yeah, I mean that, that that's a really good one actually. Demo time because I've I'm like I've 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 got over the fact that I won't be able to play everything. 
But at least like because sometimes you just buy a game in like an impulse mood. You, you hear good stuff about it, and you're like, yeah, 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 I want this. And then uh, you think about it like it's actually not my kind of game. So for example, I've been so hard in doubt if I should buy Demon Souls or not because I am not a Souls kind of player. But Demon Souls looks amazing, and secondly, I just want to be able to say like, hey, it's like a bucket list thing. Like I finished a Souls game. And I, I wouldn't want to play all of them because they're like uh, Bloodborne, for example. They're, it's one of the best Souls games. It just doesn't appeal to me. I don't like the whole freaky, uh, mutated insect. I don't like insects in general thing, you know? They're like, Ugh. So uh, it is one of those lists of games where like everybody's talking about it and everybody says it's really cool. But I've also heard enough people say like, I'm really frustrated. I'm going to throw my controller against the wall. I'm going to break something. I'm like... Yeah, I can't do that. I mean, a controller is 70 euros here. I mean, I cannot just randomly throw my controller at the wall because a game frustrates me. So it, it, it's holding me back. But I, I like the idea about demo time. That's really good. Because that way you can just like kind of get a taste of it. And if it's not, you at least made an effort. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Because now there's there's no effort at all. <laughs> They're just looking at me <laughs> with puppy eyes. Right. And every time like say like... You don't love us anymore. And like, yeah, I don't love you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. And, and, and then you sit there on the couch going, oh, I want to play a game. And then you sit there for three hours going, I don't know what to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. it's just three hours of YouTube. And three hours like, of, wow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then you think back like, what did I just do? I, I wasted three hours of my life on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, oh, man. But yeah, that's, uh, that's basically uh, what I've been playing. Um, the floor is yours for one of the two who would like to go next. Uh, Dan, would you like to, or should I? Sure, I'll go next. Why not? I'll be like I'll be like the mate in between the sandwich. <laughs> 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 go back to the pros to finish it off. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been nice. I've just I've had a few weeks off, so I've actually been able to um, to play games, and it's kind of something as you said, like time just goes and you don't get time just to sit down and enjoy um playing games which has been really nice this holiday and and through doing all those little demos um scarily i found out i'm a bit of a an rpg guy um a, a story driven guy and which is the worst kind to be when you're time poor because every rpg is like ridiculously long so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I know that i know that uh i know that dilemma all all, all too well all too yeah well. <laughs> same as me it's too, it's too hard it's like i think i think it's the it's the stories that get me you know like i just i love being on an adventure like this big epic story just unfolding so um yeah but so i, I kind of been getting into a game that like came out like years ago back on playstation 3 but it got um re-released on the switch i've been playing nino cooney um yeah so and it was it's kind of it's one of those games that i bought on the ps3 i think i bought it again on the ps4 and why not i bought it again on the switch so <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's a good use of my money um yeah. <laughs> but um but i i this time i've actually i through doing these demos i actually sat down and played the first few hours properly and i actually got got hooked so um so i've been playing a bit of that and, and i'm loving the art style and and the battle system like it's 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 a little bit different like it's still it's still turn-based but it's um 
you have these like little creatures. I don't know if you get their names right now. Familiars, they're called. Um, and they're kind of like your little Pokemons and they help, they help you fight in the fight. So you, you've got to choose the right familiar for the fight. And um, so you send out these little creatures and you're battling other little creatures as you do in an RPG. And I don't know, it just all feels really nice. Like you, you can attack, there's, there's spells, but you're actually moving around in a 3D in 3D space. So like as the little creatures are coming to attack, I can actually run away from them, which is which is really nice. Instead of having just to stand there on the spot, you know, taking it like you do in most RPGs. Like you don't get a chance to defend yourself too much. So you just but I like this one because I feel like I can defend myself a little bit and run away and and actually yeah. And and it's just got that gorgeous um anime art style and the cutscenes are just beautiful. And there's there's this childlike imagination to it that i absolutely love um you can you travel between worlds so you travel between the the humans world and the and the imaginative the made-up world that they're like parallel worlds and you know people affect each other on the different planes and it's like it's kind of a lot more in-depth than i thought it was going to be so um yeah kind of been a bit of a bit of a shock um find over over this break that i've been really getting into that so so that, that's been a good one. Um, I also um, really wanted to finish a couple of games as well. So actually get them off the list completely. Um, so I played through um, Kingdom Hearts um, Memory of Melody, um, the rhythm-based one that was released on Switch recently. Um, I'm, I am a big Kingdom Hearts fan, although I haven't played through the third one yet, which is really bad. So I do need to do that. But um, I, I love all the music and... And actually, the the rhythm the rhythm based gameplay was actually really fun because you actually get to like use your weapons and um, and all the songs are like from the games and some are from Disney and you unlock more songs as you go and yeah I know it was it was, it was shortish like I, I mean I'm and I'm not really a hundred percent kind of guy like I do like to kind of get through the story and I'm like yep that's kind of done so probably it was about five and a half hours but it was like just a nice trip down down Kingdom Hearts memory lane. So yeah, highly recommend that one too. And then the last one that I, um, I've been playing recently and, and actually just finished yesterday, maybe or the day before it was, it was earlier this week um, was age of calamity. So I finally got, I finally got through the whole thing. So um, what are we going to say? I want, I want to say that we really should do like a spoiler cast on that one because I have so many thoughts on that game and just yep. on the whole Breath of the Wild storyline. Same. Because you've seen the ending, right? Yes. You've seen how the game ends. Yes. So if you've seen how this game ends and you've played Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. it it there's just way too many questions. There's way too many questions. <laughs> way to too many questions. Let, let's you put it this way. You gotta start stuff about the sequel, Nintendo. <laughs> this, was, this was cool and all, but you're just making it worse for us. To Pretty much. Down. Literally, I Googled, say, without spoilers, I Googled afterwards straight away, are people happy with the ending of Breath of Age of Calamity? Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was because I was just like, interesting what people think about, about it. Because um, the result? I think people, I think like you said, we're a bit like, where's this going? Like what, what's kind of happening? But, but I think I got a few answers from searching that as well. So, um, which is interesting. And yeah, I won't, I won't spoil it, but yeah, I, I think, um, 
yeah, I think I might be onto something. Because, yeah, I agree. Like, it was, the, the story was kind of, was good and the, the gameplay was fun and it was all, like, it was all, like, really good. Like, obviously, it's not a Zelda game. It's a huge hack and slash game with, like, millions of monsters and it is, like, push and Y and X and whatever to, to get through all these um, different things. But I, I, I think the thing that I said to my friend was it, it was the first game I've ever played that made me feel like I actually had an urgency in a wall-like situation. So I was actually like, oh, I really have to do this fast because Hyrule is falling. <laughs> so <laughs> it was literally like that. Like, at the one, one of the last quests, it's not too spoilerish, but the um, the there's a quest where the blood moon rises. So if you know Breath of the Wild, like the blood moon rises and all the enemies come up. And, and let's just say the, the blood moon rises and you kind of have this certain amount of time to kill all these enemies. And if you don't, then they just keep coming back. And that was like, that was, oh, that, that part drove me crazy because I had to do it a few times. So it is a really good implementation of that specific mechanic because it, it, it does harken back to what the blood moon is and what it does in breath of the wild, where after a certain number of nights have passed, I think, yeah, I think the count was seven. Like after seven nights, like a week, yeah. the blood moon rises and the monsters respawn, yeah. except for the bosses, of course. Yes. Um, but that game has like five bosses, including you know Ganon. So yeah, exactly. Uh, Help me out here because I haven't. Yeah. I've only played a little bit of Breath of the Wild. I think I like tackled the the one of the first. Uh, what are they called? Like the giant the shrines. Yeah. Oh, so no, I did the. the yeah, I did the elephant one, and then I was in the, the the desert section, and I never played anymore after that. But like, it's a is a prequel to Breath of the Wild. So why? And maybe you can't answer this because you might go into spoilers. But how is it that everybody's kind of like, oh my god? Because you would almost say like, because it's a prequel, you kind of know how it how it will turn out because the events of Breath of the Wild have already taken place. So you would only expect. At least what I usually expect from a prequel is that it gives me a lot more background or insight into certain characters or events, but I kind of know what the outcome will be because I've already played the present. I'm just going into the past to see how we got to the present, but maybe it's not applicable here. Like with with Marvel movies, you, you, when you watch Endgame, you kind of know like, they're going back into the past, but you know where they've been or how you, you've been in the present. Heck, you've been into the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see you both smiling. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I understand if you can't answer this because of spoilers, but okay, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if this is a good enough analogy. Um, and if, and, and if you think I'm wrong, Dan, just, yeah, just, just say that I'm so, because I thought about it and I think this is the closest analogy that I have. Remember, have you? Let me ask this question for you. Have you ever watched the Back to the Future trilogy? Uh, me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like. Uh, right. uh... So remember in Back to the Future, the, the, the first movie, um, Marty goes back in time, right? He kind of messes with the past. And then when he comes back to the present, uh, his life is like way more better because his dad is not a loser anymore because he punched out the the bully yeah and now the bully is the underfoot guy and he's the one who's like the famous author and and like the house is like way better and the kids are suddenly way better 
Um, Marty's still the same, of course, but you know he's the protagonist. He was always good in that regard. Um, it's I want to say it's kind of like that, but on a whole different level. Mm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And not that, considering that this is a canon prequel, calling the them announcing the sequel to Breath of the Wild as a sequel and not like Breath of the Wild 2 makes more sense. Mm. Okay. So that's yeah. that's the best I can do without like basically spoiling how how the story goes. Okay. Cuz there are some really cool like plot twists that happen because you when you start out it makes sense. If you've played Breath of the Wild, when you start out the first I want to say the first three or four chapters, because it's mm-hmm. like, what, nine chapters? Yeah, um, each. Seven, seven or eight, yeah. Yeah, seven or eight. And up until that point, it makes sense. Yeah. Right? Everything yeah. goes as you think it's supposed to. Yeah, there's even one point getting closer to the end. Where I'm like, oh, maybe this is, this is the way it is going to go. But then, yeah, right at the end yeah. does change it, yeah. Yeah, some I think chapter five is the big turning point, and yeah. from that from there on out, it just, just keep getting unexpected twists. Yeah, and it's 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 crazy. Um, yeah, like really, I, I I think we may have to reconvene and like do a spoiler cast on this because yeah. I, I really want to discuss. Like, yeah, me too. It's really hard not to. That's <laughs> why <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, of- I'm letting you explain it because I know I would just blurt out exactly what happened. So that was a great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have I do have one question. Um, with, if, without, I don't know if it's a spoiler thing or not. If it's a spoiler thing, just you don't have to answer it. But um, who was your f- before the game was over? Who was your favorite character before the game? Like the Ooh. The, ah, well, I'm 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 a Link man through and through. So um, he was he was my go to. But but near the end, you do kind of you're kind of forced to play with the different characters. Um, yeah, and I don't know whether one would be a spoiler near the end. Um, let me, let me let me put it this way: Is it a character yeah. that 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 was made available after Chapter Five? Yes. Yeah, then it's a then it's essentially a spoiler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, so wow. there's someone after chapter. F- <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. This is so yeah. cryptic. Oh my god! <laughs> but there's someone after chapter five that I enjoyed playing with near the end. So yeah, um, okay. yeah, but yeah, that's kind of going into spoiler territory. So, but no. yeah, it was definitely. Um, yeah, an interesting game. And if you haven't, I, I think if you're a Zelda fan and you haven't played it, then go go and go and do it. Um, yeah, it will leave you asking questions. Yeah. Mm, yeah. The only other advice I would give is that if you're a Zelda fan and if you haven't played Breath of the Wild yet mm. and you're thinking, oh, this is a prequel, I'm gonna play this first. Play Breath of the Wild first. Yeah. Like that's this a is a good point. Like it's great that Nintendo's saying that this is a canon. That it's a canon story and it's a prequel, but trust me, play Breath of the Wild first. Because if you Agreed. play this first and then you play Breath of the Wild, it is not going to make sense, yeah, at all. I mean, so maybe by the time you get all the memories, it makes somewhat sense, but it's not going to make any sense as to why this is being called a prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, which, 
which in and of itself is kind of a spoilery. Yeah, but... exactly. It's the, it. it's, <laughs> <laughs> just put it this way: it's 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 very it's a very Nintendo prequel. Yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah, have, has Nintendo done prequels before? I don't think so. Right? Oh, I don't know actually. I don't. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Neither can I. No. Hmm. But then again, Nintendo doesn't really focus on story. This is that's true. Oh, by the way, yeah, like you said, the story is really good. That's because yes. they actually invested time in the story. This right? Time. Yes. I think outside of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, maybe, and to a certain extent, uh, Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, um, the focus has always been on the adventure itself. And here, the focus is on the story because the gameplay, I mean, let's be honest, it's a little bit repetitive. Yeah. But it is a fun kind of repetitive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Especially especially when you get past Chapter 5. <laughs> <laughs> the magical but, um, Chapter 5. <laughs> in that infamous Chapter 5. Boy, oh boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, and... if, you, if you've stopped at Chapter 5, you have not seen the game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. man. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's true. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Honestly, spoiler yeah. guys, we have to do that. Yeah, we have to. Um, do it. <laughs> anything else you've been playing? Uh. Well, that that's that's been uh it pretty much. But I um I just I've dabbled with friends for the first time in Dead by Daylight. Um, which is kind of a bit different for me as well. So that's that's been a bit of fun. So. Yeah, but other than that, it's just been trying, like trying to get through. I, I really wanted to finish Age of Calamity. That was my goal, so I've teeth that off now, and yeah, ready to see what Zelda has in store for us this year. So yeah, pretty much it. Ready to yeah, go on. Uh, I was just wanted to say that hopefully after March thirty first, we'll hear what they're going to do for Zelda's thirty fifth anniversary. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. I hope it's going to be big. Me too. Um, All right. Yeah. So I Over guess then it falls. Yeah, it falls to me to. Uh, oh boy. Um, like I said, I had some time off, so I actually had time to play games. And um, I know that I said that I'm playing near, but I kind of fell off again because I was doing a lot of. I fell into the same trap I did the first time around, which is doing a lot of side quests. <laughs> so now I've now now I have to recommit myself into just focusing on the story parts because I have to because I've only done the first playthrough and I'm now in the second playthrough. There's still a third playthrough to go through to get the full story. So um I kind of need to get myself into a tunnel vision kind of mindset to finish that game and get the full story. And I've reached a point um in in uh, in near Automata where it's like okay I'm back at this point and I'm learning like so much more than I did the first time around because you're learning from different as different aspects from different characters because you're playing as a different character. You started off as playing as um a 2B uh who is a melee character who does not that's all she does. She's fighting with swords. But now I'm playing in the second playthrough with 9S, who is a uh, recon guy. So he has the ability to hack other machines. And that brings up a, that's a really interesting dynamic because melee wise, he's weaker, 
So what you end up doing, or at least how I play more, is I'm hacking the, the machines to destroy them. Because if you hack a machine and you destroy their core, they instantly are destroyed unless they're a, you know, a strong enemy or a boss. Then you have to hack them a few times, and the hacking minigame gets a little bit more complicated uh, with those kind of characters. Like, stronger characters have a slightly more complicated um, minigame to get through, and you only have a certain amount of time to complete the hacking minigames, mostly. Like, at, at the least end, you get about 10 seconds to complete the minigame, which is a top-down shooter, kind of like Asteroids. And uh, with, like, bosses or, like, stronger enemies, there are bigger arenas, and you tend to get 30 seconds to a minute, depending on the enemy or if it is a boss. Um, so that's where I'm going through now. Uh, hopefully, where I'm at, I'm almost at the point of no return for the second playthrough. So that's where I'm working through. So as I said at the end of the news segment, there was one news article that I wanted to say for this one because I have spent a lot of time on it. And if you have been on my Instagram account, you know which one I'm talking about. And that is, of course, Monster Hunter Rise. And <laughs> all right. So yes. they had a presentation uh, about a week ago now. And they and I almost got the prediction right because I said that if they're doing this presentation now, odds are they're releasing it shadow drop then after the presentation. They did 12 to 24 hours later. Ish. <laughs> so I was off because they were releasing it per a region. So Japan got it first. So I stayed up all night until like 2 a.m. To, uh, to to finally be able to download it from the Japanese uh, eShop uh, with my Japanese account because it wasn't appearing on the European. And it's good that I did because the next morning, it was almost impossible to download it. Like the, the eShop was down because everybody wanted to download the demo and it was overtaxed. So I was like, yes, I get to play it. And just from not just from the presentation, but finally able to see it run on my Switch, it looks really pretty. I don't know if you've seen footage of it or if you've played it yourself, uh, Dan, but it is such a pretty game. Like compare if you if I compare it to the port of Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate that they put out earlier in the Switch's life cycle, you can clearly see that you know the models are 3DS models and they just upresed mm. the the textures. And it's fine, but you can tell that it's a lower resolution game. Here, it's really it looks really good, and I've seen footage of monsters that were introduced in Monster Hunter World that look almost identical, you know, barring maybe some lower resolution textures. But for example, uh, uh, at uh, oh, his name, Ajanoth. Is this T-Rex looking uh, fella that has these uh, cooling fins that he props up every now and then during fight when he's like about to spew fire. And it's all in there. I mean, he's not in the demo as far as I can tell. Um, but he, the, they did show footage of him and wow. Like I, if you told me that this was Monster Hunter World, I would probably do a double take on it. 
I mean, granted, there you can tell with the geometry <laughs> that it's mm -hmm. like lower polygons, but the characters, the armor, the monsters themselves just look really good. And be, and they added a whole bunch of new things. So uh, if you've been following Monster Hunter Rise, you know already about the wire bug mechanic that they added that allows you to um, basically go airborne for a certain amount of times before you know it cools down and you can use it again. It changes the locomotion entirely. Um, if you've played Monster Hunter uh, Generations Ultimate on the 3DS or on the Switch, you'll know that that game had things what they called arts, and you had different kind of arts. You had aerial art, you had strike art, and all these kind of different play styles, essentially, that you could uh, implement next to, of course, the weapon that you choose. With uh, the Wirebugs, it's essentially the it's essentially kind of the aerial and speed art put together. Because what it does is it allows you to zip around um, during fights a lot easier. So that you can, for example, come in to do an attack. Um, every weapon has unique uh, silk bind arts, what they call. Uh, it's when you use the Wirebug in combination with the weapon. And some of them are so cool. They're so awesome. For example, the dual, the dual blades one, you embed a kunai into the monster, as long as you don't miss, uh, because you have to be like really close and you have to hit them. And it, you embed it, it gets attached to a wire bug, and then you can um, wail on them. Even if you don't, even if your attack misses, you're guaranteed to do blast damage of around 50 or so points of health points, which is already like a, a freebie, mm. right? But if you are able to get an extra damage, you can get that up to like 130 points. And that's ridiculously crazy because for the dual blades, if you've seen a Monster Hunter gameplay, the dual blades are like these small blades that you're holding. And you can do combos, but if you miss, then you're wasting, you know, you're wasting time, you're wasting animation. And to add that in there is really cool. Even though there's a cooldown timer and you can't use it the whole time, when if as long as your timing is right, you can easily take down a monster even with just the dual blades. And I, I tried all the weapons, but again, my favorite comes down to the switch axe, which allows you it's which is an axe which switch into a sword, which is really cool. Um, one of the silk bind arts that they have with that is a move that gets you out of the way but also recharges your ability to use the sword mode because the sword mode is on a meter and once that e meter is depleted it switches back to the axe mode and then you have to build it up again but with that silk bind move you zip over it refills it so if you've used it already and then you use the silk bind to either move into the monster or move away from the monster you're already ready to go back into the sword mode which is really cool and the other weapon that I'm really that I really like, but I felt that it didn't get a lot of a lot of love over the years, is the hunting horn. And that is a that's the only weapon that offers group buffs. And by plating a tune, and they've changed that entirely. You used to the way that the hunting horn used to work is you play you play as in you use your weapon. It plays a certain note. A different note is tied to a different button. So X is one note, 
A is one node and ZR, sorry, yeah, ZR is a third. Um, oh, wait, let me think about it. Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry. Um, X, is a, X is a node, A is a node, X plus A is a different node. So you have three nodes. You have to play them in sequence, and then you have to use the performance button to play the note to get the effect. Now, you just play the notes in sequential order, and it automatically triggers the effect. So you don't have to perform it anymore outside of once you've strung them all together, all three different songs, you can do one single shot, and then it gives you an additional buff depending on the hunting horn that you have which is really good because you can just buff constantly you you and your party members um or depending on the hunting or you can heal which is also really cool like small or large again depending on the weapon and the 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 silk bind arts is also really cool because it has a similar silk bind art where you embed a kunai using the hunting horn into the monster and then you can play the notes from a distance, and that does damage, which is ridiculous. And did I mention that the simple, like the air, like the aerial movement is? I like I want to talk about this game so much, but it's coming out in March, so I just have to wait until then. But the demo alone has got me so excited. I'm like, just just give me the game now. Just give me the game now. I'll like. Here's my money. Like I was even like I, I it's not in my bed it's not in my budget and even now it's like maybe I should um maybe I should like do ramen for like a whole month so I can have enough money to buy the 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 the, the, the collector's edition and then I went to look it up and it was like sold out at where I usually buy my games. Um there's another place that has them but you have to pay in advance and like mm. Yeah. Mm, uh, I kind of really want it, but at the same time, I feel like I think if I just pre-order it, because if you when you pre-order it, you get the skins, um, or yeah. maybe just get the digital deluxe edition because it's essentially that. The only difference between the digital deluxe edition, I think, and the collector's edition is that the collector's edition also comes with an amiibo. Yes, yes, that's the one I pre-ordered. Ah, gotta have the amiibo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. The only reason I oh, that that I'm I was on the fence for that one is I they finally showed actual images of the mm. amiibo and it doesn't look that great to me so yeah, I was on the fence but after playing it I'm like eh, it's, yeah. so it's so tempting <laughs> again but no 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 like just the base game alone is gonna bring me tons of fun and yeah. um yeah I can't wait I can't wait for that to, I can't wait for that game to hit March. Yeah, um, I, can, I can really tell you're, you're so passionate about the game. It's awesome. <laughs> I, 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 oh, I was, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I can. T I, I, well, like after speaking to you about it, like we, I download, I downloaded the demo too, and and it's spot on. Like it, it was the first Monster Hunter that I actually felt, got real joy out of, and my friend and I, who were both complete noobs at Monster Hunter, um, we we just kept. Um, there's the second intermediate monster, no, I, the bubble one. Yeah. What? Um, oh, we, um, Mitsune. Yeah, Mitsune. Um, we like we we still haven't beaten it, but but it, it was it was fun enough for us to want to go back and keep trying. So and and we 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 were getting better each time. So yeah, like I'm 
I can see I can see why you you love the game so much, and yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped. Like it's the first time I think I've been so pumped for a Monster Hunter game. So yeah, yeah so yeah, thank I mean, you for I've spreading always... the joy. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I'm I my my if. If if more people play Monster Hunter because of my ramblings, you know what? I'm really happy because that means more people to play with. And uh, I mean, I've I've been into it since Monster Hunter Try on the Wii, and I've uh, and I and I did a post on it like uh, around the time when the the, the 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 presentation was going on. So I was like, yeah. I want I, I want that up. Um, because I think that ties in really well, and I showed off my collection. Even I was surprised at the fact that I was I consistently have bought all the Monster Hunter since Try. Um, the only one I couldn't show off was the PSP one, and that's mm. mostly because I bought it digitally, and I still need to get a replacement for my PSP battery. Yeah. Uh, so, so that one is kind of locked on there. Although I could have actually showed it off on my Vita. True. Or you can just plug in the power to your PSP and it still works. Yeah, I can't find my adapter for my PSP. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I know it's, I know it's, I know it's in a, I know it's in a room somewhere, but I have to look for it. Good luck finding. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a mess, and I need, and I'm sorting stuff out and like getting rid of old stuff that I don't need anymore. But it's yeah. a lot of stuff to sort through. So, Ooh, and yeah. even the PSP was like. I, I thought I left it at my parents' place, and then I found it. it was like, oh, it's here? Okay, that's actually kind of handy, because I bought... Um, and again, I unfortunately can't talk about this game as what I've been playing, but I bought Crisis Core a couple of months ago on, for the PSP, uh, and I haven't been able to play it because I don't have a bat. <laughs> I, I should buy it. It's not that expensive, but um, I keep forgetting it, and you know, other other games come into play, and um, yeah, so I also played, uh, as we just talked about, Age of Age of Calamity, but I'm not going to talk about it again. I'm going to talk about the game that I played afterwards, which is what I'm currently playing, is Astral Chain. Mm. And funny thing, I bought this game when it came out at launch. I started playing it. I played it like crazy. And then I think two-thirds in, I just kind of stopped. And I don't remember 100% why. I think, I'm not 100% sure. I think it was because another game came out that was looking forward to even more. And then I dropped it for a year. Was that Luigi's Mansion 3? Was that that time of the year? It could be. Or that year? I reckon it was. Astro Chain came out around the same time. Yeah. So it could be that it was Luigi's Mansion 3. Yeah. Which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no it's so bad i yeah i think i should adopt sean's uh mentality of finishing a game before i buy a new one <laughs> because it's hard but it's working so far i mean like check back in with me in six months because then i'll yeah. works but i mean it's it's i don't know I, I hope i can keep it up yeah 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 um Clearly, I did, <laughs> but uh, but I'm ba- I'm back in, and I will say this: getting back into it, picking up right where I left off, was a challenge, because Astral Chain has a very particular play style, wherein the most of the damage that you do is not through you, but through your legion, which is your um, kind of like your familiar. 
where you you summon it, you have multiple ones, you have different ones for different tasks, but they all help you in combat, and they're the ones that do the most damage. Um, they're also the ones that do the finishers, but you yourself, you play as a cop, because it's the it's. I wanted to say it's a cyberpunk future, but it kind of actually is a cyberpunk future. It, it's it's that it's not it's not Blade Runner esque, but it has Blade Runner esque aesthetic tendencies to it. It's really shiny. There's a lot of blue and reds, um, and like you know aqua like teal blue like kind of stuff in there, um, but. Yeah, it's 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 this it's this far future, and the, and there's this vi- not a virus, but um, there are these creatures from another dimension called chimeras who invaded Earth, and you're basically in the last remaining city uh, of Earth, um, and you're on the police force of that. Your job is to make sure that they keep away, or when they attack, you you know hold them off. And yeah, it's the, the like the the I wanted to say the aesthetics, which are is also pretty cool. It looks really good for a Switch game, which I mean, it's not running at 1080p, but it, you wouldn't like unless you were using something like or you're used to like seeing resolutions and stuff like that. You know, if you're like from Digital Foundry or whatever, um, you wouldn't notice it from the get go. But it is a really pretty game. With a with a lot of particle effects, by the way, especially when you cross dimensions, there's like a lot of particle effects things going on. I haven't noticed stuff like slowdown in the game, but I there might be like some like frame drops here and there. But for the most part, it runs really smooth. Um, yeah, the gameplay is like really, yeah. It, it took me it took me like an hour to get used to the controls again because I hadn't played in so long and I didn't realize that the, the 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 control scheme was so different from any other action game that I've played. But when I got used to it again, it was just like riding a bike. And I remembered why I enjoyed the game and why I tended to play five hours in a row when it came out. Mm. It's like just not just because of the story, because the story is interesting and I'm almost at the end. I think I'm at the either the next to last or the last chapter. And things took a turn again that I didn't expect. And I'm like, oh, because I thought I was almost done. And it's like, oh, no, there is more story here to be had because um, I just got something else and like a new ability. And it's like, well, you don't get a new ability at the end. So there's still a lot lot of game left. But that's my focus right now. I'm playing True Astral Chain and um, it is... It is set up to revisit levels, um, but I want to play through it first before I go back and like get all the other collectibles because one of the collectibles in the game is cats. <laughs> you get to find cats in the world when you, whenever like in every chapter you, you there's one cat to find in the level, but you have to be like really specifically looking for them. Otherwise, you're gonna miss them because they're cats and they're small. And you have this um, you have this hideout where you can go to and take care of the cats. You can't pet them, unfortunately, <gasps> but you can feed them and uh, you can bring them stuff. So one of the stuff that I brought them early on was a can and the cats just play with the can. They just bat it around and they walk around your legs and they're so adorable. I'm like, oh, I want to come uh, 
<laughs> oh, it sounds perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's basically what I've been playing. Well, outside of that, I also got back to Monster Hunter World because I was just that excited. Um, but I'm just playing. I'm trying to also uh, go through that story-wise, just focus on the story and not trying to gather material to make yeah. new equipment. Because that is a really easy thing to get distracted by in Monster Hunter. Getting distracted by seeing people's cool armor and trying to get it yourself. Um, so I'm working through that story as well. So I'm doing that near Automata and uh, Astral Chain. I don't know what I'm going to play after Astral Chain. It's probably going to be Xenoblade Chronicles because I still need to finish that game. And like you with Nino Kuni, I too also bought every version of that game. So I have the Wii version, I have the 3DS version, and I have the Switch version now, which is the uh-huh. best version. Yes. Um, and neither of them I ever finished. So <laughs> this is the closest I've been to finishing Xenoblade Chronicles, and I have to finish it, I know. Because yep. I've played Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I love it. I had Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Wii U, mm. but... I didn't get far because I was trying to get like the best mechs and oh my god that game is so ridiculously huge. Yeah. Like that's the biggest that is the biggest open world RPG game outside of playing an MMO like Final Fantasy 14 that I've ever played. Yeah, wow. So nice. Yeah. Um so that's basically what I've been playing. That's a lot. It oh is. Oh my goodness, that is a lot. We've yeah. never had segment run this long before um okay yeah so i guess it's what happens uh, when we have a break we don't have time yeah we have yeah we have some time let's let's go on a quick break and we'll come back with the uh final segment We're back, ladies and gentlemen, with the final segment, one that has been gone for far too long. It's, of course, one of my personal favorites, the Hidden Gems. Hidden Gems! Uh, I was waiting for you to do that. It's been so long. It has been so long. It's a trait. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'd still, I'd still commission someone to, to turn that clip into an actual theme song. Um but I, I don't know. We don't use it enough, but to have it commissioned to turn into an actual theme song. But if we had it commissioned, I'd probably be way more tempting to to have to do it more often. But uh, uh, yeah, so Hidden Gems, uh, it's been a while, so I'll explain real quickly what this is about. Uh, with Hidden Gems, we talk about games that um, we feel that most people have overlooked um, or didn't give a chance or maybe even never heard of because, you know, a lot of games come out throughout the years and some games that are actually surprisingly really good just get lost in the, you know, the big triple A-ness of the industry for some reason. And they don't get, you know, they don't get the talking about or, or, or even the awareness that, you know, people, that people should give it. So, uh, who wants to go first on this one? Otherwise, you know, anybody who wants to go first can go first. Maybe uh, you should go first, Max. Yes, you go first. All right. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep along with this one because I've talked about one of the games in this collection a lot of times before because it's my 
all-time favorite game. And the one I want to bring up this time is Collection of Mana, which is a really good deal considering that you're getting three games for a nifty little price of, I think, 30 euros, so about 30 bucks. Um, and it's three games of the Mana series, the first three games. Final Fantasy Adventure, which I know it says Final Fantasy, but um, that's because uh, Final Fantasy Adventure is a spin-off of the Final Fantasy series, and the Mana franchise is a spin-off of the, the Final Fantasy series. Um, in most, if not all the games, you'll always find some references to the Final Fantasy series here and there. Um, not like chocobos or anything, but references in terms of either spells or certain enemy types um, will look familiar to you if you've played a Final Fantasy game. So the collection is a consistent of those three games. As I just said, Final Fantasy Adventure, which was originally a Game Boy game, so it's black and white. Secret of Mana, my all-time favorite game, which is a Super Nintendo game that came out back in 93, which is a action RPG with uh, multiplayer elements, as in you can play three-player multiplayer simultaneously. Each of you control a different character, uh, a different character in the party of three, and then you have the sequel of sorts to that. This, they're all not essentially related to each other, kinda. Um, but the third one, which up until like. Last year, did it come out last year? I think. I have a quick question about multiplayer. Could you play multiplayer on the on the Super Nintendo? Yeah, you can. Wow, it was like a multi tap or something. Yes, you use the multi tap. The thing that most people use to play uh, football games, I I used it to play Secret of Mana with with my cousin and his best friend. I I didn't even know that existed. I thought you could only play two players on the the Super Nintendo, but I didn't even know there was a multi tap. That's cool. Yeah, it had a multi-tap. Um, mostly the multi-tap was used for sports games like football games, uh, uh, you know, American football games. Basically, anything that has a team sport that allows you to play up to four players, that's what you use the multi-tap for. But then you had the rare occasion like Secret of Mana, which allowed you to play an action RPG with two of nice. your friends. Nice. And the... The pseudo-sequel or spiritual sequel or whatever you want to call it, uh, which until last, yeah, yeah, last year, or at least until 2019, that didn't have a name other than being called Secret of Mana 2. And that's because in Japan, it has a different title. In Japan, the series is called Saiken Densetsu. Uh, so all the games are called Saiken Densetsu 1, 2, and 3. So 3 there was unofficially called uh, by fans. Secret of Mana 2, because people loved Secret of Mana so much. And it finally got an original, uh, official title from uh, Square, and it's Trials of Mana. And Trials of Mana is a very unique game, because it never came out in the West until the collection came out. And um, that one is only two-player multiplayer, so even though you still use a party of three... Only two of you this time can play uh, Trials of Mana. And after that, they brought out the remake, uh, the 3D remake on consoles uh, and PC. And that one got rid of the multiplayer entirely, which is kind of a shame. The game is really pretty. 
and voice acting stuff aside, um, it I would totally recommend getting that one. But I haven't gotten it myself because I want to finish more games before I pick up Trials of Mana. But if you want to play Trials of Mana and you want to experience it as it was intended, so with to me, the multiplayer was an intended part of the game. So I would rather play it with the multiplayer. And if it means getting someone on the couch with me, which is possible now because of the pandemic, thank you. Um, yeah, it's a good time. You get three games that are really lengthy. Like the, the original Secret of Mana is about, like if you play it, if you play it normally, you should average about 40 to 50 hours to get through the entire story. And the story is, well, it's it's a 1993 JRPG, so it, it has the predictable beats. Um, but, you know, that was literally the first JRPG or RPG that I've ever played. And all, everything was new for me back then. And I still play it from time to time because it's just a... It's, despite the bugs in the game, because it does have bugs, but that that's a whole different episode altogether. Jeez. Promising way too many episodes right now. Um, yeah, the, the gameplay itself is really fun. Um, the the action aspect has a, a little bit of the action time battle aspect of it, where you can attack multiple times, but the first time you do an attack, that's when you do the most damage. If you do any sequential attacks before your your basically your attack bar fills back up. You'll do less damage or miss more often. Um, Final Fantasy Adventure, like I said, I've I haven't finished it. I've played more of it than I've ever played in my life, though, um, which is saying a lot because I used to play it on a memory loader. Uh, it takes a while to get used to how that game plays because you're weak as a kitten when the game starts, and you. It has the same mechanic that Secret of Mana has, except that the bar fills up over time. And the longer, then the longer you let the bar fill, the stronger your attacks are when you execute them. If you are not patient and you don't build up your levels, if you don't level up as soon as possible, you'll be waiting on that bar way more times than you'd like. And the game just becomes a slog and you won't be able to progress. Um, so that one is a bit more of a challenge to play through. I do want to finish it. I'm assuming it's not that long of a game. I don't know how long it is. I'd have to look it up. Um, but that's something I want to play and finish. I've never finished Trials of Mana before. So now it's the time to finish it. And I started a campaign and I think I'm about a quarter way through. Um, but yeah, I mostly picked up the collection because of Secret of Mana. But all three games have something of worth in them to experience. Whether it is because you want to sample why this, the Mana series is so much fun. And at the same time, why it's so poorly being handled by Square Enix at times. Um, just look at the Secret of Mana remake that came out about five years ago and so. And you'll just be very sad. If if anything, if you're interested in playing either of these games, either uh, Final Fantasy Adventure or Secret of Mana or Trials of Mana, 
the collection is the best way to go because you'll be able to experience the best version of um oh hang on you'll be able to experience the best version of uh of secret of mana that way the original version of trials of mana if you're interested in playing trials of mana on the uh, the 3d version go nuts it's a good it's a good remake it's probably the best remake they've done for the mana series so far um but if you want something like that's more concise and more to the point and you know three games in one you can't go wrong with that uh pick it up it's on it's on switch i don't think it's on pc i think it's a switch exclusive the the collection so um if you have a switch pick it up it's it's uh, it's 30 bucks and you get three games awesome brilliant all right so who's next who's who who's next with the hidden gem <laughs> would you like to go next then sure i'll go next <laughs> uh i don't know how much i'm pushing hidden gem here but i think um paper mario's had a bit of a interesting history especially since like it came out the thousand year doors came out on the gamecube and that was kind of the peak of the series and Every Paper Mario game since then has to be the 2,000-year doors, the 3,000-year doors. Every sequel has to be the next 1,000-year doors. Um, and Nintendo's just decided to go in a different direction with it. And we all kind of got a little bit burned when a lovely little game called Paper Mario Sticker Star came out on 3DS. And um, we all kind of fell a little bit out of love with Paper Mario the series because it was just not kind of what people wanted or expected and it was definitely not not a highlight. I, I, I pushed myself to finish that game um just because but it definitely was a it was a push. Um and then Color Splash came out which was slight improvement. Um but then last year um sort of just in one of those mini directs they announced Paper Mario the Origami King and for me, it all changed. It all changed. Um, but only recently, uh, I, I did hold back a little bit from you guys. I, I, I have been playing Paper Mario the Origami King very recently, but I wanted to hold it, hold on to it for this uh, segment because I, I think people still have that attitude with Paper Mario that stems back to Sticker Star. You read every forum, you read Reddit, you read wherever, and it's always, <laughs> is, it, is it like Sticker Star? You know, it's literally, <laughs> literally, like, stick, come on, guys, Sticker Star was like 10 years ago now. Like, come on, it's time to move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I um, I started playing Paper Mario Origami King when it came out. Um, I was actually playing it on stream, and then... I can't again like like you with Astral Chain Max like I kind of played it to a point and then just stopped and then did, didn't pick it up again um and I eventually picked it up after like after Christmas so like I, I did did the whole Christmas thing and I'm like nope the first game I'm going to finish now is Paper Mario the Origami King and boy am I glad I I picked it up again because it is a charming little game and and again, a little bit like Astral Chain, like every every time you think, yep, I've just about got to this story plot and then it'll be like, oh no, now it's going to do a little twist and you have to go and do something else before you take on the boss. And there was just always something 
um, new and different to, to try. Um, it, the story was really engaging. Like I just wanted to keep finding out what happened next. It, it, it led to me like actually smashing out the rest of the game in like two days. I just played, I think I played like pretty much two 10 hour sessions. Cause I just really wanted to know um, what was going to happen in the game. And the, the aesthetics, the graphics, the characters, um, even the toads. Like I know there's been lots of complaints recently that there's no unique characters anymore, only toads or these toads. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. but but I um I was totally down for them all in this game because they all had each. <laughs> <laughs> Your pun game is uh, is on point today. It's on yeah. fire, thank you. <laughs> I brought my A game for you guys. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, uh, I love it. Um, but each toad had their own little personality, and like you, you actually kind of cared about them this time. Um, you had to like search for lost toads in the world, and they kind of were, like scrunched up into like objects, like a baseball or a grasshopper or something and you had to like um take it out there's little references to other games there's this section um where there's this toad like climbing up a wall um and he says he's run out of stamina like in breath of the wild and like just just little things like that that just like really click with you um i think the most frustrating thing about this game and maybe the reason i put it down was the battle system um all i can say is it, the battle system is is a ring based system this time, um, and every fight is like that. So, so you, you touch the little goomba on the on the pathway, and you got to go into this full ring based system where you got to spin them around, line them up. You can slide, you can spin, and sometimes I would like hit one hammer brother, and there'd be like twelve on the circle, and they're like line it up. And I'm like, no, I cannot line it up. I cannot see how this works. I'm not, I'm not great with puzzles. So, um, so I did end up. I think my my toads by the end of it um, were very rich. They could easily afford to like buy an island or something because in the battle system you can actually pay off the toads to help you solve the problem. So um, I used to just like give them like 700 coins per battle, like just to like solve it for me. So I could move on with the, with the, with the battle. So, um, so even though the rings system was a little bit of a barrier, like there is a way through it and it's kind of like when, when you do get it, it clicks and you're like, Oh, this is actually really cool. Um, because the boss fights kind of take it to the next level and you have to like find a path to the boss so you got to like line up the arrows so you actually get to the boss and then you got to turn on all these switches so you can use your arms to punch it and all these things and like it becomes a little bit more strategic and and of course like classic classic nintendo classic boss battles of of you actually verse different kinds of stationery so the bosses are like a pencil case and sticky tape and a stapler um <laughs> it's pretty creative yeah it was very creative um and so all, all the moves are like based on these offers you know like when you when you verse the stapler he's like a dog and literally like his <laughs> move is the staples refill and he staples you together so you can't move for like a whole turn you know um so it's like really it was really creative and the way in which they like again spoiler territory so i'll not say too much but at the end how they linked it all together and you're like oh that's why the stationery were were the bosses you know and it kind of 
comes back around. And um, yeah, it was just it was just a gorgeous, gorgeous game. Um, like even at the end, I was just like blown away by how beautiful the final credits were and the final little bit of little animation and movie at the end. It was just yeah, just incredible. Like I, I'm really glad I went back in. And if you're one of those people that are kind of like, oh, Sticker Star ruined everything for me. Um, this might be a chance to jump back in and really enjoy a good Paper Paper Mario story. And it, it does get back a little bit more to the roots. Um, like it's definitely more turn-based and you, and you, you upgrade your HP as you go along and your confetti counter and all sorts of things. So it, it, it's there. It, I mean, it's not, it's not the thousand-year door sequel everybody wanted, but... I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. So, yeah, so that's my hidden gem. I've never heard of the game before, but I'm getting super excited just by hearing you talk about it. So Nice. Oh, you've oh. heard about it before. I've, I've mentioned it at least once on the, on but the like, podcast. Like you that. have, I think you have, I know there's, oh, no, I'm confusing it with something else. I'm confusing it with Mario Maker, I guess. I know, oh, I know yeah, yeah, I know that there's Paper Mario, but like I didn't know there was a 3DS outing and other outings. That's like I think they started out on the GameCube with the games, something like that. Uh, 64. 64. Oh, the 64. Oh, okay, even even longer. Wow, yeah. But it sounds yeah. like a really nice game. Yeah, no, it is. When you get your Switch, highly recommend. I uh, I think I will. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, so it fall, falls on me then to. It uh, does. Yeah, it was really hard for me uh, to come up with one. But I think, and it's, I may, I've talked about this game before, but I've seen a lot more people playing it recently. So I thought like, hey, that's maybe a nice way to bring it up back up. My uh, hidden gem would be a game called Death Stranding. And you would expect that game to be um, already known and that a lot of people play it. But I'm kind of surprised by how many people didn't actually play it. Because um, it was one of the bigger games that came out, or at least one of the bigger PlayStation exclusives that came out in 2019. But even for me, I didn't buy it initially, even though I'm a huge Deo Kojima fan. Um, I thought like, hey, this game is either going to be the next big thing, or it's going to get like a cult following and like only the, the true Kojima fans will buy it. And I think it, it landed in the middle and people are rediscovering this game. And uh, I don't know, at the time when it came out, it got mixed reviews because uh, it got praised for a lot of things, but a lot of people also called it a beautiful walking simulator. Um, and uh, it, to an extent, it is true. It is basically a glorified FedEx, UPS uh, experience. If you, if you want to know how those guys uh, would feel in a, in a kind of like a... Uh, of the post-apocalyptic world, that's the way to feel it. But the funny thing is, is, is it kind of also thinking of because we're in a pandemic now and, and mostly isolated sometimes, or we, we can't have a lot of social interactions based on where you are in the world. It, it got me thinking, like, hey, but that's basically what what happens in the game as well. You play as as Sam uh, Sam Porter Bridges, who is a uh, basically a, a delivery guy, but he makes he, he delivers packages to isolated areas because the world, or at least America, is not as connected. It's not this big country that we know it as today. There's been this event called the Death Stranding, which basically tore the whole United States apart and everybody's living in isolated communities or some are still part of the United States, but it's not the 50 states that we know. Um, and it's basically your your 
last mission, kind of like a dying wish of someone for you to connect all these cities back together and to kind of form the United States again. Um, and what I love about the game is that it's the, the story, it is so vague. It is so mysterious. And that is kind of the thing that sucks you into it because you, you want to know where it goes to. You want to know like, but why is the rain causing my stuff to degrade? Or why am I seeing these, these dark uh, silhouette-like souls floating around and why am I being sucked into this black tar and, and uh, am I going to die or why is my character uh, doing things it's it's just so mysterious and I mean like Kojima is really good at coming up with stories and really good at coming up with weird stuff and and this is definitely one of those those weird things he came up with but f playing this game it just just it fueled my my curiosity and I was constantly like, okay, I want to know where this goes next and I want to go where this goes next. And just besides the game, just looking absolutely gorgeous and just so diverse in environments. Um, it's all, it also kind of carries over that, that souls kind of multiplayer in which there's no, this it's called asynchronous multiplayer, I believe. So like as a community, you are helping each other in the game. So I can deliver dance packages or he can find my lost packages and deliver it for me. Or we can build a, a highway together in each of our games and we can benefit of that. So we can traverse areas even easier. Um, it, it really felt like this, this whole community from all over the world coming together to make it easier for each other, um, which felt really nice. And then, the voice acting was really good. There were some famous people in there. There were even some cameos of people in there that you wouldn't expect, like uh, Herman Hulst, who was the head of Sony's Worldwide Studios. Um, there was Jeff Keighley was in there, who we know from the Game Awards. Uh, a, lo a lot of people that you, you would just do missions and then they would just appear as a hologram, like, hey, I know you. Or you would see this um, this this uh, tall neck from, from Horizon Zero Dawn just in a projection walking around in the environment. Um, it, it is a really nice game. I think you can pick it up for pretty cheap these days. I know it was in the in the sale uh, for, on the PlayStation Store like last month. Um, and, and seeing all sorts of people playing it, it got me really excited. It got me thinking like, hey, I think I just want to jump back into this game again. Um, I mean, it is something as simple as that you can't you, you run into all sorts of different kind of enemies, but you also run into people that just steal other people's stuff. And you can't kill these people because if you kill these people, then you have to burn their bodies within X amount of time because otherwise they go, uh, they call it go necro. So basically what happens is because the body starts to decompose, they, and, and a little bit of spoiler territory, they become like a nuclear bomb because there is something in the game that has happened that has changed the way death works in this game. And it's not basically you die and you get buried and it's over. No, literally, if you die, it is a potential nuclear... It is a nuclear bomb that can go off because of stuff that happens in the story, which is like completely strange to me. You're like, oh, okay. So you, you adapt your tactics or you use non-lethal weapons or... Uh, you run away from them, just like all sorts of stuff. <laughs> you just come up with new ways to play, which which really made uh, it a, a, a unique experience for me. And, and that's kind of why I would most definitely, if you are into open world games, if you'd like to try something new, um, this is definitely a game I would recommend. Nice. Yeah. I, I've, I've got a quick question. How You know yeah. how you're saying about the online play? 
how, how does it affect, like, how can you know, like, if I'm building a highway that someone, so say I want to build a highway too, like, how, how does that affect each other's games? Like, that's interesting to me. Yeah, so, so the cool part is, is uh, you can uh, build things. Uh, so you can, for example, uh, there are points in the game where you where you have a highway. There are like resource points, and you can also contribute to each other's resources. So you'll you'll see in your world, for example, a bridge I built, uh, or I will see a ladder you left for me in an area mm. because you've basically gone through that area, and maybe you found it really difficult to climb a mountain. So you can just use your ladder and your ladder will appear in my game as well. Uh, And I can't remember for sure, but I think you can build a highway. uh, I think it's on certain spots that you can build it. There are predetermined spots where you have to build it. But when you put down the node, it requires a lot of resources. So we can all contribute resources to it. And then it just uh, appears. And because of elements in the game, the highway needs to be maintained as well, or it will kind of degrade and fall apart. Hmm. Um, so, so it's all this, this kind of like this community coming together and helping yeah. each other. I've had instances in which I needed to climb a mountain. I thought like, okay, how do I need to do this? And then I just saw a ladder and like somebody had went through that area and thought like, yeah, yeah I need to traverse this. Here's a ladder I left. Use the ladder. And people can cool. also leave, leave directions or leave mm. messages in the world saying like, no, don't go here because you'll walk into enemies or I'll, I'll try mm. this route. It's easier. So it's really cool to see people just helping each other out, uh, finding new ways to play. Yeah, nice. That sounds yeah. really great. Yeah, it's a definitely like a man. You have you have to kind of like it. I mean, like a lot of people are, are set off by it because it's being kind of mocked as a walking simulator. And and yeah, there is a lot of walking in the game, but because the game is just so beautiful, I mean, it's it's really nice to see those environments. It runs on the same tech that's uh, powering uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. But yeah. then obviously they've upgraded it. So it's like I was comparing it to AC Valhalla that the, the, some some places in the game look when you're walking around, you see rocks on the floor, but it looks just it looks really bad because it's like this flat texture that has mm. rocks in it. And it just like they're faking it. Whereas yeah. in Death Stranding, there's a lot of terrain with a lot of mountains and rocks and they're just like all individual rocks. You're like, whoa, this looks really, really nice. No, and I had the um the soundtrack is pretty uh rocking as well. Like there's some yeah. actually good music in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the cool part about the game that the in some moments it's completely silent. So you just hear the environment, but then when you when you cross a certain section, the soundtrack will just suddenly naturally kind of flow into the game. And uh, there's some really good songs in there. I think I've added it on my uh, playlist because just sometimes I just want to zone out and I just listen to it. It's really nice. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I think with that, we've come to a really nice, special, and long episode of Game Rivals. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I will uh, try to take us out. First and foremost, I want to thank you, and I think I speak for the both of us. Thank you all so much for joining this episode, Dan. It was really nice to have you on. Uh, I, we had a lot of fun conversations. It, uh, it's also nice that, as I said earlier, like you gave us some insights that I personally, for example, hadn't thought of before. For example, the cyberpunk one, I'm like, hey, that, that's something I didn't even look at. So it's always cool to see when people just have their own take on stuff and kind of like show you a different perspective. Um, so thank you. Um, where could people find you? Because people definitely need to, need to find you. I mean, you're such an awesome guy. People need to know more about you. 
Thank you. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on. It was, I had a great time, lots of laughs. My my jaw's actually hurting from all the laughing. So. <laughs> At least one part of me got a good workout today. Um, so basically, um, all, all my um, what social media, that's the thing. Um, social media is, is super, super underscore Nindando. So um, basically, I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Twitch. Um, so I'm actually just going to start something new on Twitch. Uh, I'm going to try doing some little speed runs of some more like unknown games. So, um, if you're kind of interested in that, um, definitely come and give me a follow on Twitch. Um, I'm going to start off with cooking mama Cookstar. So on the switch. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Super Nintendo. So yeah. And, and thank you once again for inviting me on guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been great it's been nice um yeah i mean like i i've saw i've seen you these things on, on instagram around your streams i've uh i haven't been able to tune into one yet but i'm really looking forward to it. and the idea around speed runs is actually pretty nice so uh, i'm really curious to see uh to see that one thank you cool uh as for as for the audience uh, as always thank you all for listening um we really appreciate your support, and it's really cool to see our, our little Game Rivals community grow. Uh, it's nice to see people reaching out to us and, and telling us they like episodes or give feedback. I was uh, Someone the other day mentioned, like, hey, I, uh, I have to uh, drive a, a long distance for work. So it's really nice to just, you know, turn something on. I'm always looking for new podcasts. It's really nice to just listen to those episodes while I'm just driving on my way to work or from home. It's like... Wow, nice. That's actually pretty cool. I think you mentioned the other day that you were cooking and you just turned on a podcast. I mean, like literally, it's, yeah, it's one of those moments you just need to zone out or you just make something nice. You just turn on a podcast, which is really cool. Um, yeah. So thanks everyone for listening. You can find us on uh, on different platforms. We uh, we use Anchor. We we're an Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Overcast. Um, I, I saw an email popping up from Anchor the other day saying that we're also on a new platform. I, I just forgot the name. So it's also cool to see that constant new ways are being added. Um, we're, uh, we, we have a Game Rivals Twitter, which is game underscore rivals underscore. Um, you can find um, Maximilian on, on Twitter, which is at Maximilian. Um, we, of course, have the, the Game Rivals Instagram account where I'm mostly at. That's at Game Rivals. Uh, we have the awesome Nintendo uh, Instagram account from Maximilian, which is at Maximilian uh, underscore X. Yeah, super cool Nintendo stuff there. Check it out. Um, he has some secret of mana goodies there. I saw some popping up, uh, which is really nice to see. Um, you can leave us a voice message through Anchor. You don't have to make an, an uh, account for that. You can just click on the link in the um, in the description. Um, you can also reach out to us through email, gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. Um, and I think that's basically it, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, as, as, as always, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining, Dan. Um, on that note, I have and always will be Sean Templer. I have and always will be Maximilian X. And I don't know if Dan would want to join in. <laughs> <laughs> I am and always will be Super Nintendo. <laughs> nice. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Later. Bye.